So it's you, the guy. The guy who does the show. I'm the other guy who also does the show. Yeep it up, boop it up, it's my show? I believe so. Wait, no, me. Yes, you, yeah. 544. It's me. Back off, buddy. Hi, ho, and welcome again to the Sneaky Dragon Show. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm also Ian Boothby. Yay! Hi, ho! You are not. You're not me. <laughs> no, I'm not you. Mom, 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 mom. <laughs> oh, who are you? I, I'm David Dedrick. Excellent. Well done. Well stated. <laughs> be yourself. Yes. We learned that from like 1970s shows. It was like always, be yourself. And mm. you know, does that work? Nah, not always. No. I don't know. I guess, I guess, I mean, it works because it's all that you can be. Right. You know, it's unavoidable. That it works. Yeah, I mean, you are going to be you. But you could also be like a David Bowie, or you could be a, an Elton Join, <laughs> and you could be like constantly changing your look and your style. Sure, but it's always essentially you. You can't escape the you that's behind those personas. Oh, is that true? That's very true. Huh, maybe. Uh, You're yeah. inescapably yourself. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember I had a teacher who told me that once, I think in grade six, you know, I was saying like, uh, you know, how I... Uh, would adjust to the different environments I was in at school. And then he was like, well, how will you ever know who you really are? Mm. And I was just like, well, this isn't where I, where I'm me. <laughs> what are you, an idiot? That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking. Uh, I didn't say that to him. But I was like, I'm not being me here. It's like, you know, I want to see him on, like, first day at prison. It's like, walk in there and just be yourself. Tell everyone what you really like, your favorite foods, <laughs> the bands you like, you know, just really find the biggest guy in the in the in the yard and then just share something with him. Real deep and emotional. Really let him know who you are. Because yeah. that's what you gotta do. I think I think that would be a good actually that would be a good program for prison, actually. Is that right? That'd be a good way to get through it, I think. Okay. So I think probably not good on your first day in the yard. Eh. To go approach a guy and, a, and and and, and uh, you know and, and let him know like I well, really love the Bay City Rollers. You don't want to for, you don't want to force yourself on people, but he might he might be a Bay City Rollers fan too. Yeah, what do you think the odds are? Not good. No, but wouldn't it be better instead to like just like quietly to yourself go S A T U R D A Y and see if he says night. But if he if he if what if he went. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y and he went, Knight's all right for fighting. Then he just started beating you up. That would be, okay. be like, Elton John, you betrayed me. He'd go, uh, Knights of White Power. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's too bad. That's too bad. Do you I mean f- Knights of White Satin? Yeah. I was like, well, yeah. Maybe that's a better no, name for I'm our think, White Power group. Is I'm, thinking of of the, s- I'm thinking of the Moody Whites. Oh, damn it. Say. That is an actually better name for the clan. I feel terrible about that. What? I don't want to give them a better name. Knights in white satin. Because that is kind of what they are. Uh, I don't think they wear satin, though. Yeah, but they I think could. It's just, I think it's just cotton. But they could. It's a cotton blend. Yeah, that's true. You know what? I, it would be nice is if they wore something really flammable. That'd be fun. Because then you could just like let them on fire. Cotton is flammable. Really flammable, though? 
I guess it's not like oil based. Yeah, like you want it oil based. You want like it soaked in some uh, dirty rags. Yeah, well, if it's like a if it's a cotton blend, then that would be like some like poly cotton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but the Bible says you can't blend your fabrics if you're Jewish. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, when Jesus came around, he went. He laid down the law he about said, the yeah. fabrics, and went. You can. He didn't do a lay nice down the blend. law about the fabrics, but he kind of. He basically, you know. You got a new covenant. He kind of, yeah, a new covenant. Get rid, of, all right. get rid of all this. Get rid of all this nonsense. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Because I mean, like the because Jesus invented dry cleaning, right? Am I remembering that right? I think you're that, right. What, that's yeah. what he's most famous yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> he brought in thing chemicals that end in OL as yeah. a cleaning agent. Because yeah. it's the desert, so like, what are you going to do? You're going to get like a, a wet wash? No. <laughs> it was like, listen, here's how you do it. You just hmm. do some nice dry cleaning. It's funny we pictured that your, way. Take, yeah. Take your take your clothes. Put them in a cave for three days, and then they'll come out and they'll uh, be reborn as uh, beautiful uh, clothes. It's funny that we think about it like that. When at the time there were like the cedars of Lebanon, like big f- groves of cedar trees in Lebanon. Okay. At that time period, and yet we think of it as a desert. Well, all Bibles, uh, you know, uh, movies are, are people in sandals walking through sand. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's like a view that we've in, we've taken as like a pop culture view, but I don't think that's an accurate view of that time. Okay, because they had sh- they had sheep. There were shepherds. They were not the kind of shepherds in the desert. That doesn't make any sense. So obviously they had like grass. They had places to for sheep to to be maybe they're grazing. Maybe they're sand use. <laughs> yes, sand use. use. Yeah, sand use. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Huh. No, I don't. Well, okay. Maybe, maybe. Okay. But I, I don't think if so. you wear sandals on the grass, are they grass grassles? <laughs> Yes. That's like, true. does it adjust to whatever you're mm-hmm. uh, wearing? I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you can try out your uh, some bits for evening at the improv here. Sure. <laughs> now, Bud Friedman. <laughs> hey, Bud, hold up that monocle. There you go. <laughs> that shows you're from the '50s. Yeah. Or that you're uh, rich uncle Pennybags, mm. as we discussed in our last. I don't think episode. he wears a monocle though. He wore the monocle. Wait, no, he doesn't have a monocle, but he does have a mustache. That's the thing. People mistakenly think he's got a monocle because mm-hmm. they're confusing it with Mr. Peanut. I think so it does feel like those two hang out at the mm-hmm. same clubs. I think he was kind of doing a Lord Buckley. Okay. Uh, Bud Friedman. I think that's where he was kind of getting that from. Who wore like a pith helmet and had like a elaborate mustache and a cigarette and a holder. True. and Okay. Would sometimes wear a monocle. Right. So where did um, a rich guy with top hat... Uh, come from what, at what point in life was did that show up i think that well personally it wasn't in jane austen times no i mean people wore hats then yeah but it wasn't that wasn't what you thought of a rich guy it was like top no, hat sam no. top because the top hat was was something you wore to entertainment okay it wasn't something to block you block the person's view behind you because <laughs> you're an asshole yeah yeah yeah, it wasn't enough for you to enjoy the show. You had to block the person behind you. You would take your That's hat off. That's why women would wear the most elaborate hats to like. I must block the mm. view of the person behind them, so only I may see the show. But it was rude to wear a hat indoors. Okay. So you'd and if you look, those top hats often were collapsible as well, which I think is fascinating. I would think the thing to do would be uh, have a top hat, yeah, or like in a lady's case, a big giant bonnet. Okay. Then you go into the theater. Mm-hmm. Have to take your hat off, clip yeah. it. Put on your lap full of snacks. And you're just snapping <laughs> Good down. Good idea. Well, no one's going to be going like, hey, because, you know, you're being polite because you took your hat off. And I was like, good for them. <laughs> Wait. Well, who's saying hey? Oh, you know, people would be like, you can't come in with like a bag of snacks, like to walk in so to the theater. So it's not just like 
So is this like jealous people who are sitting around you who didn't think to do that? Or no, no, I do, talking I with just, the staff? I don't think like you could walk into a theater holding like a paper bag yeah. full of like chicken legs. But <laughs> if your hat was full of them and you took your hat off. <laughs> I think... And everyone's hair was greasy back then, so no one would know. And then you take, take the, the hat off, snack it yeah. on your chicken legs during the show and just enjoying, you know, uh, uh, your production of, you know, The Tempest. Because we were talking last week about plastic on, on furniture. And, of course, they had what were called anti-macassars on, like, your uh, divans and stuff like that in your, in your sitting room in those days because people wore macassar oil. And so you would put oh. these doilies on that would keep their hair oil from despo- despoiling your, your furniture. Okay. Yeah. We, we did weird stuff to our hair. It's very strange, well, the stuff we've yeah, done to our hair. Yeah, I guess that was, it was an alternative to bathing. Mm. Just to put some hair oil in so it smelled nice. Didn't, you didn't have to actually wash it. Just goop it up a bit. Well, also your hair it's goes good. greasy. So if you have something that makes your hair greasy, people won't know your hair is greasy from like, you know. <laughs> Living grease. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, living. Yeah. That was the thing, like, when I was a kid, I was uh, going through puberty. Greasy-haired kid. Such a greasy-haired kid. And, like, I never got the word from, like, you know, my folks or whatever, like, you know, you might want to wash your hair. Oh, really? You didn't? Yeah, you might want to might, might take care of that. That's not and good. And I look at pictures of myself, and mm-hmm. I go, like, well, that's the problem. <laughs> that- that's, strike, that's strike two, three, and four. <laughs> it probably didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's, and that's an easy fix. And it does seem like, yeah, it seems like a thing your parents should, I mean, I was out, I was always encouraged. It was, I mean, I feel like I was over-encouraged to like shower a day, wash my hair every day, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that would have been a good plan. We had two showers. I could have done it. No big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the day, day, like when, when I lived in Montreal, we had one bathroom. And I could see how you'd want to like keep the kids out sure. of the bathroom as much sure. as possible. But when I was a kid, I showered with my dad. Like the th- my three of us would like be in the shower with my dad at the same okay. time. It was a bathtub shower, so there was well, your lots dad of room was, for... Your dad was in like a barbershop quartet, so it was good practice. He, well, he would know. sing to us in the shower. Oh, would he? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was nice. He sang like silly songs to us and stuff like that. So, yeah. So I remember very little of it, but I do remember some of them, some well, of the you guys song. Anyway, do that again. Yes, yeah, so should mention that to my dad. Maybe for Father's Day. Sure, come on, Dad. Because I was thinking about that. Actually, I was thinking about that when I was peeing today. Because someone came in. Would at you s- guys pee together? Yes. Well, you lost me. <laughs> no, not my dad. I could not barely. Dad, I could barely. Not my dad. Barely make it through the last one, but and but I thought you know. Not my it dad. Happens. Not my dad. Okay. My brothers and I would pee together. Wow. We would stand on the toilet and pee in at the same time. Okay. And we would like try to cross our streams. Of course you did. We, we, which we called sword fighting. Yeah. And uh, I was probably pretty messy. My mom probably didn't like it very much. Yeah, of course not. Well, but, what are you going to do? Run in and stop But it? I was thinking about, because like now I have a very nervous bladder now. Like if I'm trying to pee and someone walks in, which someone did today while I was using the washroom at work. Yeah. And someone walked in and I immediately like, I just pretended I had peed and left. Um Yeah. I, but at that time, I was perfectly fine with two other people standing around me while I peed. Mm-hmm. So we change over time. Yeah. I wonder if uh, your competitive nature would kick in now and, uh, you know, you'd have to win. <laughs> win what? Well, you know, I don't know, win the peeing contest. Okay. I didn't know there was a peeing contest. Well, wasn't it? No. So it was you just... were having like sword fights. Well, yeah, but that was just. Sword the... fights are That was just for fun. That was just for fun. Or a draw. <laughs> that was just for fun to, okay. you know, instead of peeing. In each individual part, but to try to, you know. Now, would you, while you were peeing, uh, make sound effects or would you just uh, let her go? 
because I, I remember that the only time I can think of of doing that, uh, there was a wow, You had to do sound effects as well. Oh, well, that was before um, Star Wars. Before Star Wars, yeah. Yeah, we were just little kids. This, by grade five, I was not peeing with my brothers. We were just little kids. Well, wait a second. Star Wars was... Uh, 77. 77. I was in grade five. I'm talking like pre, preschool kids. Okay. You know, like... Or What's the age difference between you and your brothers? Uh, about a year each. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you were in grade that, five. Yeah. You, uh, one would have been grade three. Like I'm February. My brother is... Uh, you were such a February. I'm such a February. And my brother was... October of the next year. Okay. And my other brother was November of the next year. All right. So we were pretty close together, which was terrible in terms of us growing up together. Why? Because there's just way too much overlap in our lives. Mm. We've shared friends. You know, it wasn't like I played with kids who were three years older than my brothers. And so we didn't, but instead, we all played together as like one big gang of kids, which is fine. But when when your brother's very competitive and you're very competitive... And there's an emotional element to it of your behaving your brother. Then that causes a lot of friction, trouble, and fights, and everything else. Which I like to say that our house was like a giant dust cloud with arms and legs sticking out of it uh, for most of my childhood. Just us fighting each other. Chairs were thrown, knives were thrown, hockey sticks were thrown, doors were broken, walls were were, were punched. Yeah, you know, there's a I lot wonder, of I wonder, stuff that I don't think would have happened if we'd had more time between us, or technology had been better. I don't think technology had anything to do with it. I don't think that if we had phones that we wouldn't, we would love each other. Not love each other, but you've been busy. <laughs> I think like if you had your own, you know, uh, machine that you could look up anything in the world on, you know, uh, that uh, is a distraction that probably sure. separate. But when you got nothing to do, it's um, time to we fight. Still, I mean, we still would have wanted to play sports and stuff like that. I, I Maybe kids don't play sports anymore. I don't know. but We do, but they play sports like in an organized manner. It's not... Uh, run outside and uh, everyone's now on the street playing hockey there's the Ugh. there's a there's a you know setup to it all and uh, parents need to know where well, i don't you know are. about that we, we still have kids who play outside and play hockey yeah but i'm sure the parents you know know what's mm-hmm. going on let's guess to a degree it depends think, on the do family you th- do you think like really the parents now you know they could go into like the house and they're looking around like their kid's not there and they're like eh, must be outside just goofing off yeah really you think they're fine with that well, I don't think so anymore. I, I'm just thinking about the kids in where I live, my neighborhood, which is a cul-de-sac, so maybe that's different. Yeah. But we do have woods across the street from us where the kids like to go and play. And I can't, can't imagine the parents know exactly where they are when they're over there playing in the no, woods. No, but they know they're out in the woods, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, where are you going? I'm going to that. Okay. I think Whereas we were just like, uh, and you're gone. Mm-hmm. Well, we were kicked out of the house. Uh, my mom would throw us out the door. Okay. So <laughs> it wasn't just that we were gone. We were just like, get out of here. Yeah, we were free range. You kids. noisy boys. Go outside and be, make a noise. And when and you'd come back when it was uh, the third time she called for dinner, right? When her okay. voice was really angry, yeah. Then we, we would go in. The house. We'd get a bell. They okay. went with a bell for us. Did you um, go in the first ring or did you go in the third or third ring? Did you let well, your you mom... just went on the first because like there was only one. Okay. If you didn't have that, then shit was going to go down. Uh, and and for my wife, it was streetlights come on. Okay. When the streetlights come on, then you got to go home. Really? So she didn't go home for dinner? Because we would go out and play yeah, after. Yeah, well, streetlights come home would be dinner. That'd be dinner time. Oh, okay. That's pretty late. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it depends what time of the year it is, of course. And they would adjust through the year. Yeah, it would be streetlight time would be dinner time. Wow. So 9 o'clock at night is dinner time? Well, you know, mom was European. Okay. So, I guess. Oh. At least this is, what I, this is what I believe. 
Hey, and if uh, either uh, of the people who you know live that life that listen to this <laughs> podcast uh, say I'm wrong, l- let me know. Okay. Yeah. Well, correction to correction or agreement. Yeah, to I'll follow. make corrections. Well, I will uh, happily make corrections well, after I the mean, show. Or you could just say, "No, I talked to them, and it's true. It was nine o'clock okay. at night. They had dinner." Well, we'll be, which is we'll, fine. We'll I mean. be seeing both of them later on. But I'm going to tell you something. We're not going to do. We're not going to see that fucking Marvel movie. <laughs> is that right? Because I am a traditionalist. I uh, okay. And yeah. as tradition dictates, yes, we always let it be known that we're not going to see the latest Marvel movie. Yeah. On opening night. Be ridiculous to do so. Uh, ridiculous. It's a Sam Raimi film. Why would we want to see it? Yeah, I've heard it's like a horror movie. A Sam Raimi horror film that yeah. probably has like slapsticky comedy elements to it. Yeah. No, that's not up our alley. <laughs> you know, it's not like Evil Dead 2 is one of your or, or mine's top 10 favorite films. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's still of- a happy memory of mine when I got to introduce you to that yeah, movie. Yeah. Oh, boy. No, 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 no. <laughs> so good. Uh, a friend of mine today said he's been so out of it lately that he didn't know Sam Raimi was directing this movie and was like wow. just delighted. And I said to him, Oh, but he, he directed the last Thor movie. I'm like, which one? <laughs> Drag me to Hella. <laughs> nice. We all had a nice. Did he get it? You know, no, he laughed. No response. He laughed. I don't know if he got it, mm. but he understood. Oh, it. he understood enough to, to laugh at it. Mm. He was, maybe he was polite. <laughs> it's polite laughter. Mm-hmm. Ha ha! Hella. He, mis- he mispronounced Hell. That's weird. Must be Mark Smith. Oh, Marky Smith. Sorry. And the Fresh Bunch. <laughs> Um, hey, can I ask you a question? Have you ever heard this show before? <laughs> what did you think about what happened to uh, David Chappelle? Um, I thought it was nice that Chris Rock got that joke off. Yeah, that was good like joke. to the point where to the point where it was like, did Chris Rock plan this? Because that was like the perfect joke for Chris Rock. Like someone said, like online, yeah. and then Chris Rock came out and went, "Hey, was that Will Smith?" And I was like, hmm. you know, like that's the joke you make, as in, like, of course, Chris Rock comes out of nowhere and says yeah, that. Yeah. Not thinking Chris Rock was really there. Like, yeah, there's yeah. no way Chris Rock was there. And it was like, Chris Rock was there. <laughs> and Chris Rock comes out and Chris Rock says that joke. And yeah. It's just like, look, I don't want anyone to be attacked. I don't want anyone to get beat up. I don't yeah. want anyone to get hurt. But uh, worth it for that joke. That was great. <laughs> that joke needed to be said. Uh, that was the only circumstance that could have been said in. And there you go. Yeah. Apparently, it was quite a list of famous people backstage. So it wasn't just Chris Rock who was. And they all took a kick. They they all joined in. That was the part I did not like very much. I I don't kicking when he's down. I'm not a I'm not a fan of mob. No, no mob mentality because the person is probably mentally ill. It seems like it. Although he did he did was he was carrying a weapon. So that yeah yeah that's not good. But Yeah. yeah. But once they're down, they're down. Yeah. That's enough. I guess everyone was excited. But calm down, everybody. Keep it, keep it calm. Right. Keep it calm. But yeah, it seemed uh, kind of crazy. Was there any uh, word after the fact as to the motivation of that, or are we not even asking that? I guess because we shouldn't ask that because that's not what this is about. <laughs> uh well, I mean, I would be curious to know what would make a person run on stage. But like you say, it's probably some sort of mental illness. You know, that mm-hmm. seems to be the reason most people. I don't see someone in the right mind is going to attack an entertainer. I don't care what their opinions are. It seems very odd that you're going to. Run up on stage to attack this person. Have you ever been to the Hollywood Bowl? I have never been to the Hollywood Bowl. I've been in it in the sense that I watched Monty Python perform at it. Very good. Uh, I've been to the Hollywood Bowl. I am shocked that they could make it onto the stage and do that. Oh, really? Like, I'm trying to think, like, how physically you could do that. Mm. Yeah. 
There mm. used to be like a big fountain in front of the Hollywood Bowl, like just put water up. It was really, really okay. Neat. But no, I saw um, Flight of the Concords uh, at the Hollywood. Oh Bowl wow, that's a cool place with, to see. Um, uh, Christian Schall, uh, Eugene Merman. Uh, yeah, it was really uh, people from the people from their show. Yep. Yeah, cool. And they were doing their stand up, and then uh, they came out and uh, did their bit, and uh, damn good, mm. damn good. And I tasty. didn't know Chris, Chris, Kristen Shaw was a stand up comic. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. Both of them were were stand up. I know first. Eugene Merman. I've heard his stuff, but I never heard. Uh, yeah, uh, many years ago. Uh, when, oh, when they were doing comedians of comedy, mm-hmm. uh, the, the they had a tour. Uh, and uh, they they came here to the Vancouver Cultural Center. Yeah. And Eugene Merman was there. Kristen Shaw was there. A couple other people. Patton Oswalt was there. Mm-hmm. Brian Pussain, uh, local fella Graham Clark, uh, and a couple other people. Oh, Maria Bamford. Yep. And at the time, I saw the show and went like, "That's the best stand-up show I ever saw." Hmm. And looking back on it now in the lineup, it's like, yeah. <laughs> but at the time, I said that and was told just uniformly by people in town, "Oh, you need to see more stand-up shows." Yeah, it was okay. I was hmm. like, nope, you're dumb. <laughs> you're all dumb dumbs. There was inclu- including uh, maybe someone who might be like a critic of comedy, like who mm. might be the comedy critic in town. Yeah. Just like, no, it was okay. And I was like, oh, man. Maybe it wasn't th- their cup of tea, but it was your cup of tea. But it was so many cups of tea that if you didn't like all, like if you if you didn't see that many delicious cups of tea yeah. and recognize, holy shit, <laughs> what a night for tea, yeah. then maybe you shouldn't be judging tea, mm. you mm. know, because that was some fucking good tea like and almost everyone there has since gone on to do amazing things and become even more uh well known but like i remember like especially maria bamford coming out and i was sitting with my friend diana and uh this was i think the i think this this wasn't the first time i had seen maria bamford because i'd seen her in the um the movie uh comedians of comedy yes. i seen the tv show comedians of comedy uh but i knew she was great and then I saw Diana's jaw like open and just like, you can do this? Because it was like a new type of comedy. Yeah, yeah. It was like her style was like so different than anyone else's. And it was like, that's a, that's a possible, that's, oh, shit. And it was like a world was opening for her and it was, huh. it was fantastic. Yeah. I, well, she did stand on the shoulders of others, but she definitely is very unique. Who would you say she's comparable to? Rita Rudner. I think a lot of her deliver, their delivery is very similar to me. Rita Rudner doesn't do characters. And she doesn't do, she doesn't do characters, but characters. she does. She has that kind of very, um, kind of um, almost timid kind of persona that Maria Bamford also kind of has, where she okay. gets can be very kind of quiet and whisp- and a little bit whispery. And Rita Redner does that as as well. But Rita Redner is more a uh, yeah. She's more standard stand up comedy. Yeah, yeah, jokes. And her persona is she is kind of the aloof person who's mm-hmm. a little out of touch yeah and yeah. you know we'll talk about things in a fancy I just, way I just, I just yeah i just whereas yeah, just, maria bamford is you know uh actually telling stuff from her life quite often and mm-hmm. like really we'll sure, go sure. to the dark places she's part of a new generation of comics for sure mm-hmm. but i just mean it in terms of i think you know you always are based in people that you heard i don't think she just sprung up out of nowhere she obviously had influences when she's growing up and sure sure look you know i'd go almost well like I, uh, like I'd go more uh, Lily Tomlin in that you know okay. it was like where you take the stage and then do characters and the characters were were very deep. But Lily Tomlin feels like she's doing fictional characters 
and not just like these are people I ran into in my life. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. as you'd be the philosophical homeless person who really speaks the truth because yeah. she can see things that we don't. Whereas <laughs> I'm trying to think of someone who is doing well. Uh, you know, and what? Tomlin is doing characters, but she's doing other people, uh, someone else's characters as well. Like she, she yeah, has, she has somebody who writes for her. Yeah, yeah, her uh, partner. Yeah. Uh, you know what I go with, and this is a weird one. I would go almost Richard Pryor. I go like sharing dark things from from their, sure. you know, I mean Richard Pryor without saying it was a suicide attempt, did talk about his suicide attempt, and Maria Bamford talks about suicide, mm. and Maria Bamford talks about people that she runs into and and sees, and then he would do characters. Yeah, I'd say there might be some parallels there, though that would be a weird, you know, a comparison to make. The, the I'd, I'd say there's some roots, sure. maybe maybe there. I'm sure there are, mm-hmm. but I, I just think, I mean, in terms of like her, her openness, she's part of like a general movement of comedy, not just you know there is that like tells a, the tells the truth about yeah that te- attempts to not be jokey jokes, but attempts to be more autobiographical or yeah. I'm just trying to think of of comedians that do character based yeah comedy, and she goes deep into a character so much so mm-hmm. that it's shocking that you're like, whoa, where'd that voice come from? You know, it's it's the trick of uh, it's the trick of like an impressionist mm-hmm. where the where all of a sudden a voice that shouldn't be coming out of that mouth is coming out of that mouth, so you're taken aback. Yeah, but it's someone new. You're not hearing. You know, you're not getting that. Uh, slack that you get where it's like, oh, I love that, that real person. So, uh, you know, that love that I have for that real person is now, uh, carried on to this impressionist who's doing this character that I love. And I'm like, yeah, now you're just doing your own thing. Yeah. It felt, it felt newish, newish to me. But yeah, she's definitely part of the pack. I, I really liked in Comedians of Comedy, the movie, uh, Pat Oswalt, Brian Posehn, Zach Galifianakis, and her in that they all definitely are from a new school. But they all definitely are their own style. Mm. Maybe Brian and Patton are uh, closer in style. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, Zach Galifianakis definitely was doing his own thing. It's it's interesting listening. I don't listen that often, but listening to that local station that plays stand-up comedy. Those kind of comics have the hardest time making it work in that format. Because they're storytellers not joke tellers mm-hmm. necessarily like there's jokes within their stories but not like a series of jokes not a bit you know what i mean it's it's a story they're telling and so you know like lisa will say pat oswald isn't very funny because what she hears on the show isn't like bits it's mm-hmm. his stories but they're cut up in a way that you don't get the flow of the story like because i said well didn't you know we didn't saw him live like that was enjoyable she goes oh yeah that was that was really good but you got like the whole thing, like, you know, you could see the, how it was building and what, do you, yeah. you know, whereas it doesn't really help when it gets cut up into three minute segments for, for radio. Yeah, or format. someone like a Tig Nataro, it's very hard because she takes such long pauses mm. and it is like I don't building think I've up. I've ever heard her on there. Yeah, it doesn't really work. I've heard Same with Todd Eugene Berry. Herman. I've heard Todd Berry. Yeah, but both both of them have like the long yeah, pauses, yeah. and you build up the tension, mm-hmm. and then you release the tension, and uh, it doesn't work in a short mm-hmm. three yeah, minute, yeah, four minute. Yeah, bit. He, he's he's fine. I mean, I, you know, I guess they just find what they can and and use it, or at least their agents or managers or whatever. You know, I guess or have people who who make these things available. But yeah, some. Some comedians work really well in that format. Other other comedians less so. I mean, it's, it really does kind of lean towards the more traditional comics, you know. If they 
if they give someone like a long time and they'll play Lenny Bruce, mm-hmm. but they won't play like Father Flotsky's Triumph or the the Palladium ones, which I think are like his best things, you know, because there's so much about what he's best at, which is taking like pop culture and like blowing it up in front of you, like yeah. and just all the ridiculousness of it. I can understand Father Flotsky's Triumph because that has the black character, you know, I'm going up yeah. to heaven, and you know, and obviously he's making a lot of jokes for the band. You know, a lot of with all, all the kind of stereotypical things right. of get some watermelon and all that stuff. But and I can see that's not going to fly nowadays. But maybe the Palladium because it has the Irish part of it. I don't know. It's just kind of it's hard to know. Like what what makes it not acceptable now? You know, like I see someone like Mitch Hedberg works perfectly for that because it's yes, joke, it's joke, very joke, very joke, good. Joke, yeah. Joke, 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 yeah, yeah. That's what you that's what you want on that kind of uh, radio. Station. But sometimes it doesn't work because it just uh-huh. depends on his what he's doing. Sometimes you need that excel, you know, that build up to to that thing. Okay, and you just kind of cut it. You just kind of fall into the middle of it, and it's hard to get the rhythm of it. Okay. Other times it does work. It just depends. It depends on the bits too, of course. Yeah. Or Dimitri yeah. Martin would also work in that. Kind yeah, of situation. he's good. He's not bad. Um, I would say like a uh, Mike Birbiglia. It's it's hard because. Uh, does such longer bits he does but you can extract like something out of it you know yeah. i've heard him and he, he works you know what what i've heard like you know i'm sure that all of them there's parts that you can take there's a uh, one they like to play by Patton oswalt about uh he and his wife looking at houses and finding this orgy house which is funny because we were talking yeah. about that last time and just walking in and there's everyone knowing like why did they even like let us in you know but it's kind of like oh of course you're here to see the house Oh yeah, come on in. <laughs> come, you know, all these people like in various stages of you know yeah. of uh, undress, trying to like look normal. People have like quickly thrown on clothes that are backwards and <laughs> stuff like that, you know. And this is sort of this sort of you know uh, this you know sort of atmosphere. <laughs> this you know this it's quite a good description. As you know, it's quite good. And the smell. Uh, yeah, the smell. And it wor- it works because it's yeah. a story that you can it get the point across very quickly, and it's you know it's funny in and of itself. But yeah. That stuff works, you know, but it's, it's, it's interesting. It's got a sexy element, too. Yeah, that's so right. Yeah, it's also a little bit. <laughs> pretty good. That's one thing when um, I used to be in a sketch uh, group and uh, we'd, we'd go to like some set sketch comedy festival and you were, you know, allowed to like maybe three of your sketches. Okay. And there would almost always be one that was uh, someone was naked. Almost <laughs> always. Because it's the sketch that you do that like shocks the audience in your show. Yeah. Because you've done like an hour of whatever you're doing, and then sure. it's like, whoa, what's that? And but like it's but once you get the uh, fourth group in a row, where you know mm. there's there's a guy lying naked with like a letter sticking out of his ass, you're like, hmm. <laughs> and that really was one of the things. I was like, hmm. yeah, everyone's yeah, everyone's got a naked sketch. Hmm. Yeah, kids in the hall used to have their sketch. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, I'm not just naked; I'm naked for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I guess that works. Uh, you had you had your silent uh, porn film. We did. We that yeah, was, that's true. That was your that was your. Uh, we bought. Here. We bought. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we bought like a uh, some 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 porno films from like the turn of the century. Yeah, not the one before this one. Yes, generally. yes. Turn of the century is. I mean, they're fine, but they're not that interesting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, we, we we were able to write some new dialogue for it, and mm-hmm. it was uh, it, it was, was funny. Fun. Yeah, it's funny because it's shocking. Yeah, it's clearly really old. So your mind is blown <laughs> by just how 
Yeah, you're like, wait a second, did you guys do this? People no. didn't. People fucked no. in the past. And wait, wait, no, this is real. <laughs> oh, okay, but they they're not going to have sex. Wait, <laughs> they are. Wait, yeah. what's happening? And it ha- it had the added frisson of being like in a convent or some sort yeah. of like monastery or something like that with yeah. a lot of nuns and monks carrying on, carrying on, and so that added that extra element of like. So yes, it's a very good uh, icebreaker. Yeah, we uh, we also had a, a fella who was really good at editing, mm. so he was able to make it look like it should look for the time period that he okay. made it look, which was great. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we did that for um, when uh, Bob and David uh, yeah. were were here for a comedy festival thing. We're like, we got to be shocking in some way, <laughs> so we did that. Though they had their own uh, porno right off the top as well, which was oh, uh, it was like. They were showing like clips of their past work, and one of the things was uh, two guys fucking, and so it was like actually two guys having sex and really going at it, and it was you know incorporated into their best of montage. I believe I don't remember that at all. Yeah, that's funny. Like oh no, porn's already been on. Oh well, (laughs) okay, here we go. But we did we did ours I think for it was the uh, Hard Liquor and Porn Festival, and it was like that's like a comedy festival. With the theme of hard liquor and pornography, I figured that from the title. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you're not, you're not sure whether or not like wait was that yeah is that an ironical? actual celebration of yeah, yeah. What, what's the angle? Sure. It was like it was it was comedy based, mm. and so yeah, I think it was like back east, and it was someone I knew that was doing it, so we uh, put that initially together for that, mm. and so when this came up, we're like, yeah. hey, we'll use it for that as well. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I came down to see that that show that was also at the Colch. it was both shows were at the Colch. i it was funny because we were having a block party that night and so it's one of those things where it's hard to get away like you're hard to you're like oh i gotta go see my friends are doing a thing they're tonight. doing some pornography tonight and, so, i, I don't want to miss the opening so i won't <laughs> i won't know where who's who's supposed to be the top i don't know <laughs> so i like finally got away and like jumped in the my pickup truck and i like Hightailed it into started playing your getaway music. Listened to music from Deliverance all the way into yep. uh, Vancouver. Came roaring down into Vancouver in, the, in this old truck. Yeah, you burst in just as a porno film was playing. <laughs> just in time. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I met. That was when I met um, the the actor slash musician who played the bad comedian. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Why? Whose name? Neil Hamber. Uh, Greg. Yeah, Greg something. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, because I I ran into Rob Rob Dayton, former friend of the show, Rob Dayton. I mean Robert Dayton at uh, there, and by he the way, I've me. got a Bunyan magazine for you as well. You oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I ran into him there, so he introduced me to to Greg. <laughs> and you went, you think you're so funny, and he went, yes, went, you're correct. <laughs> uh, I've got some pornography. No, he to seemed watch. quite. He seemed quite nice. He was kind of standoffish, but most people are when you meet them backstage. Yeah, you're in another country. You're in another country. You're also in a. You were just talking to Robert Dayton. That probably throws you a bit. It throws you a little bit. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is a friend of Robert Dayton's. Hmm. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> Let's see what kind of character this guy is. Uh, he was the one who named named their band. July, oh, is that right? July Fourth Toilet. Yeah, because they had some sort of thing that if you you'd send in and they would generate a name for your band so there you go and, and if you oh they would generate okay and yeah. i thought you were gonna say and there was a prize no 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 prize just oh. you send in you say hey you want a name and they would do some sort of like automatic name generator this by the way is the problem with marvel movies nowadays oh 
the no prize is missing. Oh, which is what which is what the old comics used to have. Yeah. Which was, uh, you could write in and 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 point out uh, a mistake, mm-hmm. and you would get a no prize in the mail. Yeah. Then they changed it to where you had to justify why it was not a mistake. Yes. And then you get a no prize, and you would get like an envelope, and it said this is an official no prize, and people would open it up and go, "Hey, where's my prize?" And they'd be like, <laughs> ah, it's a joke. Um. But, Keep uh, that envelope. But they should have that for uh, the movies. How many no prizes do you think T.M. Maple had? Oh. So many. Yeah. Whither art thou, Maple? Uh, <laughs> this was a fella uh, whose name was the Mad Maple, or T.M. Maple for short. And he was the most prolific letter writer. Yeah. yeah. Of all time. Like, he was in every issue, seemingly every Marvel comic. I don't know if he was in DC Comics. I don't remember now, but... I do remember. Maybe it was in DC and not Marvel. I can't remember. But anyway. It's a good mystery. Like, what the heck happened to that fellow? Yeah. I mean, the internet. Okay. But, but then why did he not uh, go to the internet? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It feels like the kind of person who would have a YouTube channel. For <laughs> sure. And call themselves the Mad Maple. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Also, he was Canadian. So we had a little bit of like, hey, hometown boy. Yeah. He was Tront- Trontonian. Nice. He. Let's see what he thinks of Alpha Flight. I mean, maybe. Maybe what he liked was the the correspondent element of it, the writing in, sitting down and typing out a letter at the old the yeah. old Underwood. Yeah, you know, it was a it was a good era for it. I'm looking up. <laughs> You're gonna look up the I'm Mad Maple. Up, up the Mad Maple, yeah. Or, or he must have a Wikipedia two. entry. There must be. How could you? Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, let's find out go. here. Yes. I'm now. I'm really curious myself. Okay, so here we go. Real name. His real name was Jim Burke. Jim Burke. Jim Burke. And he wrote more than 3,000 letters to comic book columns between 1977 and 1994. The beginning of the internet. Yeah. Uh, Sadly, he is no longer with us. He passed away in uh, 1994 of a heart attack. Oh. Uh, And he was eulogized in a number of letter columns published by DC Comics. Uh, The company he probably wrote to most prolifically. Uh, Was DC. Okay. I knew there was one or the other that he wrote to. I I felt practically only to them, but yeah. Yeah, he. Uh, oh wait, 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 wait. Uh, okay, here. Okay, that's right. All right, so here we go. Burke's letters were quite popular. I'll just read. It's short. Yeah, yeah. Were quite popular among readers as well as editors, uh, and he wrote uh, prolifically to a diverse number of comic book publishing companies. Uh, originally signed his name the Mad Maple, but Marvel Comics editor Tom DeFalco abbreviate it to TM Maple to make it sound like a real name, thus <laughs> circumventing a new policy at the time uh, to stop printing letters uh, published under pseudonyms. Uh, I see, I see. Burke took a liking to the new name and began, began using it exclusively, <laughs> including variations like Theodore uh, Maddox Maplehurst <laughs> until 1988, when in Scott McCloud's Zot Number 21, he revealed his real name. Okay. Yeah. That's funny, because that, it feels like that's a good almost alternative site to re- reveal like that sort of follows in that would have even been better if he done it in like chester brown's yummy fur or something but yeah and then uh, in 2014 uh the joe schuster awards which mm-hmm. are the canadian comic yes. book awards yes. well i'm just saying maybe no, no. some people won't know okay i'm just going along with your story okay very good i was saying is like everyone knows that I was like, no, I don't think they. I don't think they. Do. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean it that way. Uh, it's okay. Inaugurated the TM Maple Award in recognition of someone from the Canadian comics community for achievements made outside of the creative and retail categories who has a positive impact in the community. Hey, everyone knows that. Oh, for fuck's sake! Fine. 
There we go. Anyway, yes. So uh, that's, that's great. the story of Jim Burke. Uh, so yeah, I guess he didn't live. I must. He met. He must have had a very unhealthy life. If he, I don't know when he started. What what, what age he died at? But uh, he was born in 1956 and passed away in 1994. So that's oh boy, too young. Too young. Let's say fifty. Too young. Is that like fifty? That was like thirty-eight. I think thirty-eight. I would say so. Oh okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's right. Yeah. My math is terrible. I think that's how math works. My instant math is awful. There's a picture of two fellas here, and I'm trying to see which one he is. Uh, it's probably the one who looks like the one he is. Okay. <laughs> that's the one who yeah, looks yeah, like... Yeah, there we go. Okay. Hmm. That's that's fine and fine. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, his letters were uh, letters were quite nice. Yeah, that was a time when... It, well, I, I still enjoy reading like the letters to the editor and music magazines and things like that. Sure. So. That's part of the fun of the read. Have you ever had a letter published? I do, do don't think so. Okay, I'm not much of a letter writer. I'm too I'm too bound up to do that. Okay, just too too neurotic to be able to write. I'm, I, so by the way, everyone here who does write us letters, you're a better person than Dave. Yes, you are a much better person than there I am. Because yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, when I think about when I think about how many listeners we have and then how many write, right? It's a really Small percentage of people who actually write. Well, I write. throw out most of the letters. <laughs> well, that's I always look at them and go, like, who thinks they're better than us? And yeah. I go, like, nah, I get the feeling they think they're better than us. So I get Fair rid enough. of those. Yeah, yeah. Makes that, sense. And those batch are gone. <laughs> and then uh, move on from there. But yeah, you're yeah. right. We have a regular series. I used to be a regular letter writer to a television show and then later worked on it. But uh, yeah, I don't, I would, I, yeah, it's weird. I don't really write letters either. No, I just, I just get too like neurotic about it. I remember I had a friend who lived here and then moved back east, and he wrote to me fairly regularly, mm-hmm. which is very nice. But I did not write to him at all. I did go and visit him. I did pay a lot of money to go and visit him where he lived, but I never wrote. And eventually, he kind of gave up on me as a friend, I guess, because I wasn't I wasn't a correspondent. I mean, it's hard to be friends with someone that you don't. Yeah. And then those were the days of like the idea of phoning long distance would give your parents Could heart attacks. You have <laughs> yeah. sent him a cassette with like your voice on oh, it. Oh, it's possible. I yeah. never really thought about that it. I should have be a... because I had a tape recorder. I yeah. could have done that. Yeah. It's an easy thing to mail and then they can play it and they can hear your voice. It's nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going through a bunch of old papers right now and uh, stumbling across a lot of handwritten letters. Nice. And it's, uh, yeah, from. Uh, Including like our friend uh, James Lloyd, who's been on the show, and okay, yeah. other people, some people who are no longer with us as well. That it was like, mm, it's uh, mm, very heartfelt to, to. And then some letters, I'm like, I should probably just get rid of these letters because you know, I should I have these letters? You know, some of the old romantic letters okay, as well. Okay, and you're like, well, I'm a married man. Now. <laughs> I should probably get rid of these letters. Yeah. should I? I don't know. Is that wrong? I don't know. What am I keeping them for? I don't know. It feels weird to get rid of them. I don't know. Like it's very mm-hmm. it's very hard to because uh, you know there was a lot of personal stuff that was said and yeah it's interesting it is interesting like reading all these like just handwritten letters though yeah there used to be um... well I'll say there's I'll just, okay, real sorry. quick before you say there was one nice example though where there was someone who I thought uh, was mad at me and I did the math and went like oh the incident that they would be mad at me for was four years before they wrote this letter, and this letter is very positive. So that made me happy. Uh, thinking like, <laughs> oh, no, wait. No, this wasn't... I'm remembering this wrong. So they weren't steamed at me, at least four years after the incident. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. I was going to say, one, one thing, I, 
James's letters, James, our friend James letters were i liked his can how candid he was damn candid yes he like gave you his opinion on what you Pa-pow. did <laughs> which was good yeah which is good because there's true appreciation there too you know if it's just all flattery then you know what what have you earned yeah there he un- he unleashed the fire hose yeah absolutely it's nice i remember calling one story that i worked with you on and he called it yucky <laughs> it's like that's good why did you finish that story it was yucky it was that's good thank you james um but uh, I remember listening on the radio to, to this interview with this guy. He had a new uh, magazine called Found. I think it was called Found. Okay. And of course, it was a very small print magazine. But the, the idea of it was, it, people would find like pub, like like private correspondence. Okay. And send it to this magazine, and they would publish it, but not All with right. the names, not with the names, yeah. But just with, and it was really interesting. And he was on, and he was reading some of these letters, and some of them were very touching. Like one was this letter from a kid to his mum. And and it was talking about how much he miss, misses her, how much he telling her that he got a girlfriend mm-hmm. and that he knows that she would have loved loved her and blah 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 like this and then then the kicker at the end was you know and this was found in a graveyard in a cemetery so he wrote this to his mom who passed away and left it at her grave and you're like oh that is so touching just stuff like that yeah I remember one time finding this by the way it's a, it's now a um, website. Oh, okay, okay. Foundmagazine.com. Oh, cool. I've, I, I never thought, I I think the name just popped into my head now, because yeah. I remember looking for it before and not being able to find it, so maybe it, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, this. I'm just looking at some of the letters here, and it's like, oh, yeah, 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 this is, this is very good. Because one time I found this letter out on the street, and it was like a letter from, a, uh, like, obviously a teenage girl to her boyfriend, and it's full of some very personal things, like what, what she liked him to do. Uh, like what made her like turned on or whatever, but nothing like gross, but just sort of like, you know, yeah. when you, uh, act in this way, I find that really blah, 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 you know, right. you know, like just normal things that anyone would do, but she, you know, cause she loves him. Those are very, right. you know, and it was such a touching letter. Unfortunately, Lisa threw it away and I was like, ah, oh, I wanted to send it to found if I could have ever found it, but I never did. But now that you tell me that Sarah, I'll have to look, check it out because mm-hmm. it's, it's right up my alley. Yeah. There's other things that are more, you know, or like this kind of goofy things of people like leaving rude letters on car, you know, cars sure. that are parked in the wrong place, just things like that, which is also kind of funny. But, but uh, I found that one really touching. Just that story. There was no, like, there's no way, by the way, to put a letter on a windshield of a car that doesn't come across as "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing you can say. No, I really I... like that Garfield in your window. <laughs> Idiot. I didn't say idiot. I know, but I thought you said idiot by writing a letter. Yeah, it's almost it. like it's almost the physical equivalent of writing in all caps. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. We used to have people who would park in our parking spot at the old apartment. Yeah. And it was like, I gotta write a note, but it's gonna come across bad. Like there's no way there, there's no way I can't. Yeah, yeah. Hi, just so I let you know you parked in my spot, idiot. Yeah. It's like whatever you write is basically fight me, fight me, fight me, <laughs> fight me for this spot. Yeah, that's not good. Nope. In fact, it might be bad. So yeah, it's been it's been interesting going through the letters though, and oh, finding yeah. old pictures and finding stuff and going like, oh, this is all real. Everything I remember was real. Well, that's good. <laughs> and it's it's interesting, like cause so much of it is things that I would consider things that I failed on. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's interesting just going, oh, this is before I knew that it was a failure. <laughs> and I was like, all right, okay, this is still the hopeful stage. This is interesting. Uh, but it's, no, it's empowering to read it and just go like, oh, okay, well, this was a thing and it didn't work out, but you know, I have some good memories from it and yeah. things are fine now and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, okay. 
it lets you realize, you know, you can, you can, you can, you can deal with some stuff. That's out. life. Yeah. I mean, a life. Funny what people say. I mean, up in yeah. August and shit in your pants in May. Of course, you have regrets, or you have things that you did that are sometimes make you sit up in bed at night and go, "Oh, did I?" Oh, anyway. Oh, that show. Back oh, to boy. sleep. Oof. <laughs> yeah, like I'm looking at like you know a, uh, a program for the you know whatever Red Robinson uh, Robinson show that I yeah. did. And like, oi, <laughs> you know the Expo comedy show I did. I've got the letter that, of acceptance of we want to hire you. Yeah, yeah. this is going to be like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> That's just what you do. You got to go out there. You got to do you some gotta, stuff and take a couple you, of punches to the stomach, and then you know, <laughs> keep going. You gotta. I mean, yeah, it's admirable, you know, like to put yourself out there like that. That's that's you know, not that failure is like failure is not celebrated enough, really. You know, mm-hmm. like except by people who know, yeah, who yeah. are in the know, yeah, who people and, who know what what you did, like what you put yourself through to get yeah, to where or you who did, have gotten like, somewhere, yeah, because they know how much they've failed to get to mm-hmm. where they're going to mm-hmm. go, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. The only people, the people who, yeah, would make fun of failure are people who've never done, done anything like it and have no concept of, of the emotional or, or, you know, emotional risk of, you know, putting yourself out there like that. And of course, like by the, listen, the, the, I mean, the, the thing is people will remember the best. They'll remember the worst and everything in between. They'll just like, <laughs> woof, gone. if they remember at all. Yeah. At all. Like they'll remember it. Like when you go like, well, they remember this big stinker. Yeah, probably. Because it's a fun story to remember. That's fine, but they'll yeah. remember the really good stuff too. Well, that's definitely something I learned. I learned as a teenager was that the stories people laughed the most at were stories where you looked bad. Mm-hmm. That would get the best reaction as a story. If you told someone a story where you're good, like you're great, it feels good for you to boast a bit, but no one else is going to enjoy it. Well, we were, yeah, we were laughing very hard last week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like on the ride back from uh, yes. our dinner after the show yeah. with, uh, you know, uh, Vicky Van. Yeah. Uh, just talking about like doing a, a recycling video, pro recycling video yes. for uh, like Delta Cable. Yeah. Uh, where we play some very questionable uh, n- uh, newspaper bundles. Uh, what are you trying to say? I was saying uh, we, we did them very fey. <laughs> like I'm going to say that they were foppish, but we, you know, yeah, they, we, uh, they probably, uh, yeah, probably would not read well yeah. nowadays. And then while I'm going through my papers, I find the script for that. <laughs> Is it a work of art? Uh, I haven't. I got I to gotta look it up again. It's like on the table somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It is what do you think it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A lot of information. I, I played two. The, don't forget, the, I played two characters. Yes, you did. Because you were like a gruff but lovable uh, other character. What was, your, what was your other character? I have no idea. I just did it as a kind of a Joe Clark uh, impersonation. That's right. But I don't remember what I was. We were puppets that were made. By some, yeah, this is the weird bit. It's like everything was really made. Yeah, like there was a there was a full the, the the main character was Ricky Recycle, who was a raccoon who was into recycling. Yeah, and not as you would expect, hoping you'd leave the garbage open <laughs> so that they could get some uh, food. <laughs> that seems to be that's a more a true Ricky Recycle, like a, like a recycling yeah. like raccoons are not into recycling. Well, they are. They're into recycling our garbage into food for themselves. That's true. So, uh, yeah, and then there were, like, you know, newspaper bundles and cans and whatnot. Yeah. But they were pretty well-made puppets now yeah, that I'm thinking were. about it. They Who were. the hell made those puppets? We don't and know. why did they hire us? Well, it was through your friend, Wendy. Was it? Okay, yeah. all right. She's the one who brought us in. So she must have known someone or been in contact with someone. Well, I think whoever was producing the show. Okay, so clearly someone who had because access our, to... our accent, our... our 
performance as the bundles of newspapers or whatever it was were, were we were acting on the okay, on you the. You keep talking. Let me see if I can find. We it. are acting on the uh, the I don't know what you call it the stage directions from the person who was yes. directing the show. Or whatever they wanted us to do voices like that, and so you know we started off as one thing. We we're just going to do like normal voices. Like, well, I guess these are newspapers from North Delta, so we'll do our North Delta accents, and then next thing you know, we're doing them as sort of two British uh, bachelors <laughs> who lived in the same apartment with each other for a very long time. But of course, we're just close friends. So that no, no suggestions of any impropriety between those two, those two bundles of newspaper. Yeah, I can't find it right now. I'm so sorry. That's fine. I should have, I should have prepped fine. it before the show. You should have. But uh, I am trying to think of what you were like. I feel like you would have been like an, an oil can or something. I like, don't know. It have to be a can, right? Because it, it has to go like paper. I don't know if we played... Did, bottles... It, and then, uh, but did we play bottles as well? No, um, well, we're printing press, printed press. That's so we would right. Had to have been newspapers. We were newspapers. That's that's correct. And then uh, I don't know what I was as the other character, but I yeah. I did this sort of voice like, well, I I I I just don't know. I I'm I'm here to uh, 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 um this sort of voice like that as right. this other that thing. That seems more Nixony than that. Uh, <laughs> right well, my whoa, whoa, my whoa, my whoa, date, whoa. my Joe Clark impersonation has suffered from from years of neglect. Right. I have to say, but yeah, I did it sort of like that. Maybe it was a Nixon impersonation. I don't know. I don't know who I was. He I'm, never stated he was not I'm a thief. Though, sorry, I'm blanking on his name. I think I think I want to say it's like Bob Robertson, um, who has also sadly passed away mm. uh, from double exposure. Yep. Um, I was at a panel that he was at with like Michael Moore and a couple other people. Okay. And someone asked about, uh, you know, what would Joe Clark think about all this? You know, set him up. Yeah. Doing the setup, and he went, oh, he, oh, and he went into the character. Yeah. And. Uh, mild reaction and it was like no one knows what joe clark sounds like in this room no no one knows no except one for like maybe him. the person who asked yeah it's like oh no what would deef and baker say <laughs> <laughs> i could do lester b pearson okay i'm just joking <laughs> do morster b pearson. but deef and baker I, well, honestly, Pearson had one of those sort of actually piercing sort of voices, one of those sort of very, sure. well, I think, this that kind of voice of that time period. Is Good stuff. Yeah. I, you know, for all that I'm joking about Diefenbaker right now, uh, I did uh, see Rich Little uh, do a Diefenbaker impression uh, at the Canadian Comedy Awards that I was at. Mm. And he, he cracked that one out. And it was like, uh, <laughs> if you say so, I'm not probably... I'm betting it seems really precise, so I'm betting it's good because like he has been doing that one for longer than he's doing Nixon. Sure, sure, yeah. See, and he did do Nixon. If I was an impersonator, I would do that impersonation, but I would have like a a person who helped me in my act, and they would with a hairdryer they would blow a tumbleweed across the stage <laughs> after I did it. So, and you'd get like the full the full context of just how that went over. <laughs> yeah, that was the show that we also had like Miss Nude Canada. Nice. And, well, yeah. Uh, she was, listen, she was a very nice person. She wore her sash very well. She was, she did wear a sash. I know she did. She um, was Miss New Canada. Did you, did you see, see <laughs> I it? I only can imagine. Okay. But, I have an imagination. But to be, okay. And oh, listen, Miss New Canada. Look. What? She's, she was lovely. I'm sure she was. Okay. To look at and to talk to. Look, let's, uh, don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> she was, she was a lovely person. Okay. She had a nice time, and I think she appreciated the attention. And it was nice. Yeah. But here's the Ms. New. I see sashayed across the room. Well, she came down some stairs. 
uh, oh, really? on stage. Sounds and exciting. people were like, whoa, uh, shocking. <laughs> Uh, and then she like uh, announced an award and uh, gave the award, and the person was whoa, and then walked away. <laughs> but she could have taken both of us in a fight easy. Oh, is that right? Like she was very meat and potatoes. Like mm. she, like Miss Nude Canada. Yeah, that's not an award that you get in, let's say, Toronto. <laughs> that's an award that is handed out yeah. in a northern community. I see. That may be even more north than Canada is. It's a very northern community. <laughs> and it okay. uh, takes place at a bar. Mm. And, uh, you know, maybe the owner of the bar wins it. I don't know. <laughs> it's not a title Fix. that has a lot of... Uh, it's, someone got it, and she got it. Yeah. And uh, and then when, you, when she's there, she is very... She's a strong lady. She would help you change a tire. Like, she <laughs> would not need a jack. Like okay. it was, uh, yeah, huh. she was interesting. She was very, uh, I don't think a bullet would penetrate her skin. Wow. No, it was very <laughs> tough skin. Sure, sure. Yes. Well, you're painting a picture. I'll give you that. Yeah, right it was, uh, very rough and tumble. <laughs> she, she could play a member of the Fantastic Four without makeup. Okay. She <laughs> was still, but very fit. Yeah. And, and fine. Everything was fine. Sure. And Rich Little was also there with <laughs> hair as black as night. Oh, uh, the blackest do hair. Not, do not like that. And you as know you what? Know. Everyone went, you know what? That is natural. No, they didn't. <laughs> like, come on, Rich. Don't that. That's what they really said. Yeah. What is this about? Don't give us that. Can't stand it. Did you ever see the Dana Carvey sketch? And I probably asked you this before, where he plays Rich Little. No. And yeah, he's doing like. What an honor for Canada. Yeah, because Rich Little famously did, I think, like two specials where he like did like Christmas Carol, and I think there was another one, I mm. believe. Okay, uh, where he played all these characters like it's Dumb as She Fails, and then it's like Gotcha Max, and all yeah. these kind of direction and all those characters. And and Dana Carvey was doing an impression of of him doing one of those shows. And yeah. I forget what the what the premise was. <laughs> okay, but uh, but 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 oh man, it was pretty good. Yeah, sure and it was it like was. such a deep cut. I'm just like. Does anyone in America know what's going on here? <laughs> well, he's what they're American. parodying here? Do you think he could? Would, do you think he would have learned about that from Mike Myers? I think it was the story of Jesus because he oh, okay. played. Uh, he played. Uh, <laughs> so it's a Christmas. It was a nativity. Story of the nativity. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so mm. it was. It was a Christmas story. That's right. Yeah. So it was, which was appropriate because you know Christmas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he played like Edith Bunker. Uh, as uh, as Mary Magdalene, it's like I'm a prostitute. <laughs> like, yeah, which was pretty good. And when it he, he good. later he would talk about it and just say like, I didn't know any of these impressions. <laughs> I had to learn all of them on the spot. <laughs> well, he's a very talented impressionist because yeah. he understands that there's you just pick up that one thing and you can do an impression. Yeah, it doesn't have to be exact. You just need to get into that one little thing, right? And you can do you can do it in a short beat, yeah, and then get out. Yeah, you don't like want to have to, you do Yeah, you don't want to play it for like an hour, but yeah, there's um, there's uh, an evening with W. C. Fields. Yeah, there's people on TikTok that do that, where it's just like I'm going to do 50 impressions mm. in you know in two minutes. Yeah, and here we go. It's like this one person. Rah, rah, rah. Okay, this person. Wow. <laughs> 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 and you know they go, this is amazing. Well, 
you know, they're doing the hook yeah, yeah, for yeah. each one of these, which it's still impressive. You're right. No, yeah. no two ways about sure. it. It's impressive. But, but, eh. but you're not impressed. It's okay. <laughs> It's okay. it's okay. I feel bad. Okay. I feel like I'm 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 putting all these people down who are naked and trying their best. And I'm sorry about that. Uh, speaking of Dana Carvey and Mike Mike people Myers, are naked and trying their best. I I enjoyed their their uh, interview on uh, Fly on the Wall. On which Fly on the Wall? Of who? Who were the interview? Mike Myers. Oh yes, 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 yes. It was good. It was good. I enjoyed that. It was um yeah, it was kind of. Kind of, I mean, they They're never three go too weirdos, and it's they never nice go to too deep. Talk. They never go too yeah. deep. I just noticed that. When I was thinking, like, yeah, wow. Dana Carvey didn't get into how he felt like he really uh, screwed up uh, Wayne's World two, yeah, with ego problems and whatnot. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. It would have been interesting to hear him talk a little bit. About I guess, that. I but guess. it was all done, you know, in a positive mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I don't know how comfortable Mike Myers would have felt with that. So, because he feels like someone who likes to hide behind a persona as well. Like he's like. <laughs> You know, like he has trouble like being himself. Like, yeah, he doesn't like it when people say like uh, George Bush doesn't like black people. Yeah, he doesn't like that. Who? Oh, you're not familiar with that? No. Oh, that was like famously. Oh, I'm trying to think if it was Kanye. I think it was Kanye. It was him and Kanye who were um, uh, doing like a, a charity thing. Okay. And they're both like standing on either side of like a TV screen. And yeah. It was, I think for Katrina. Okay. And Mike Myers. Uh, so if you give her give money uh, today, it'll be going to da, da, da. and then it goes to Kanye and uh, uh, George Bush doesn't like black people. <laughs> you just see Mike my, my, the life goes out of Mike Myers' eyes because it's live. <laughs> huh. And then they cut to whoever the next person yeah, yeah. is. Yeah, I think that was Kanye West. I'll look that one up. <laughs> you don't have to. I do. You can you can besmirch someone without no. worry. No fear. Doesn't care about black people. That was it care about that's right but uh i guess you could say that about katrina it certainly felt that way that the entire well, he, city was neglected he by was right yeah by fema and left to fend on its own and there was no uh yeah kanye west said that that's right yeah yeah george bush doesn't care about black people and uh yeah mike myers was on either side and just oh well, it's just <laughs> i don't remember oh, this. just see him it just looks like someone punches him in the stomach <laughs> It was, uh, it was, uh, it was something. It I, was something. I guess it doesn't feel like the right place to bring up those sorts of things when you're trying to do like a, nope. you know, because you know who's contributing. There's white people are also trying to help, so it's not a good idea to like, you know, alienate you. your your donors. You know. Yeah, I will show you the clip later on. It's a, it's a very famous clip. Okay, I've never. Poor Mike Myers. Um, I like Mike Myers actually on. Uh, I, I don't watch the Jimmy Kimmel show, but I watched it this week because Mike Birbiglia was hosting because Jimmy has uh, COVID. Okay, and so and uh, Mike Myers was on. Okay, that was fun. It was P- fun seeing pushing his them. new his new uh, the pentavirate the pentabulate 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 or something. Yeah, yeah something like that. And a fella who uh, we want to have on the show, uh, Mike uh, Myers, uh, his brother. Oh yes, Paul Myers. Paul Myers. Uh, played the other characters when when Mike was oh is that right uh, doing the thing yeah funny and it was fun too he showed like the only other time that uh, Paul has been in a film and it was in the first Austin Powers movie okay and he is uh, naked uh, Austin Powers are in a tube okay frozen in a tube <laughs> huh like that was his brother really it wasn't yeah. Mike Myers nope because Mike was in the scene I was gonna so. say okay that was uh, like a time yeah. traveling sort of I think thing a time where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah okay. So maybe it was a later movie, but yes. Yeah, I think that's not the first one. Yeah. 
but I don't. I'm, Made no, him naked. I'm no expert. Got him naked, put him in a tube, as you do with your brother. I'm no expert on gold member. You're not? I don't even How think I've seen it. How shag me? I don't think I've seen I think I saw the first two, and then I kind of, I'm Odie. Okay. It's got a good opening. It's okay. got a good grabby opening with a bunch of neat stuff happening. Yeah. I like I like how Mike Myers uh, did so much work in England, and of course grew up in Canada. Yes, and then when he went to the states, went you know what you haven't seen, <laughs> but I've seen is yes. here we go Benny Hill. Yeah, you haven't seen the Benny Hill thing. We're covering the genitals, and here we go. You haven't seen Simon and the Land of Chalk Drawings. Yeah, you haven't seen a show we've got here called Sprockets. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Borrow, 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 borrow. Boom. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's true. There's a. It's kind of the same with Martin Short doing his Brian, whatever his name was, the Brian Linehan. Yeah. You know that's familiar to Brock, Canadians. Brock Linehan. Brock was Linehan. The character yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's familiar to us, but not to Americans. So they're just like, oh, this is a hilarious character. What's so original? <laughs> We're like, oh, it's a fun parody of uh, Brian Linehan. Yeah. And I like uh, with Mike. Uh, sorry, uh, Martin Short, uh, where the. Um, the hair thing comes up from, uh, you know, uh, what's his character? Ed Grimley? Uh, Ed Grimley. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when he was working, uh, for Second City, uh, he had to change his hair basically with water. Okay. Because that's the only way you can change your hairstyle. You don't have time to do anything else. Yeah. yeah. So there'd be like a bucket of water this backstage and you dunk your hair and slick it back and go on. Yeah. And so to make the people on stage laugh, he would like alter his hair in weird ways. Okay. And one day he just like pulled it into a, like a spike. Yeah. And went out and it just cracked them up. Yeah. And so it was like, ah. So it became <laughs> bigger every night where yeah. it come out with that spike. And, okay. Uh, okay. And then that became the character thing. That's great. I must say. That's yep. great. <laughs> it's all about cracking up. It's all about cracking person. up. So let's pull out the cards you uh, you brought out of the. All right, fair enough. Oh, by the way, when we're before we uh, get to get a go on this, mm. uh, we we're talking about uh, you know various contests and winning things and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And I think it might be a good time to mention to people uh, that we have such a thing uh, on this show where they can win valuable prizes. They can win valuable prizes, because indeed. We, we have a, a new um, uh, episode coming up uh, that has a fifty in it. Yes. And when that happens. Mm-hmm. A little fairy comes in. It's called the, the question fairy. Yes. And the question fairy drops off many questions for us. And they come from you, the listener. Uh, and so you ask us a question and, uh, and uh, we answer it. And the episode usually runs fairly long. Uh, but if we then draw your, uh, we, we randomly then draw from those questions at the end and the winner wins a valuable prize. And that prize is. The grand prize is uh, a t-shirt. With. Uh, one of our. Well, it's up to you to decide what design you want, but from one of our title cards, if you have a favorite title like card. Like, say, hey, say you're one of the people, not like us, who's yeah. going to see Doctor Strange. Yes. And you're like, uh, like a Doctor Strange-based uh, shirt, but I also like Sneaky Dragon. Yeah. Guess what? We got one of those. We do have one we of those. We got one with true. Dave and me, both as Doctor Stranges. Yes, with uh, Sneaky Dragon as, uh, what is his Dormammu? name? Dormammu. Dormammu, yes. Dormammu. Yes. So, like, that would be an example of something you could win. So, yeah. yeah, you just write us in any question. As well as a mug. Could, yeah. An autographed copy of Sparks. Boom, boom. And we might throw in uh, one of our one of our Warso Jar mini comics. Very good. What the heck? Why we'll not? We'll find something. I'll probably find something from this old uh, pile of things. Some Something <laughs> something interesting and old yeah, that too. we'll throw into the mix. Sure. By the way, speaking of Sparks. And you might get a couple Canadian chocolate bars. Yes. 
uh, depending on where you live. If you live in Canada, you won't give a rat's ass. Uh, <laughs> I'll go get some American. Then ones. I'll throw in a, yeah, an American or a, or a British chocolate <laughs> bar instead. Uh, speaking of Sparks, uh, which we normally mention because we've got a new book out, yeah. uh, which is Sparks Future Perfect, uh, drawn by Nina Matsumoto. I wrote it. Dave colored it, as we have for the last three Sparks books. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is now number four oh. on the Canadian uh, kids. Uh, That's nice. Number four Canadian kids book. According to CBC Books. Yes. That's a thrill. It was five last week. Now it's four. Yeah. Where can it go from here? Only down. Well, maybe down. <laughs> maybe we'll up. See. Maybe you don't know. Uh, also. But also, we got a little bit of good news last night in that our previous book, Sparks Double Dog Dare, just won the Chocolate Lily Award uh, for um, Best Kids Book in the Age category that it was nominated in. And so that is a thrill as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yay. Um, so, okay, dokie. Uh, what I've found here in my uh, goings-on was there's a series of cards with comic book uh, pers- people in them, trading cards, basically comic book uh, character trading cards. Like the one that's on top right now is uh, Ken Stacy, who is a, it says, writer, artist, painter, colorist, letterer, and editor. And I know the guy. I've eaten dinner with this guy. <laughs> Have you met Ken Stacy, Dave? I Maybe maybe a glancing blow. You have you have not met I, my yeah. favorite Ken Stacy comic is one he did for Marvel Premiere because he is very good at armor. He's good mm. at drawing armor, and so he did Iron Man versus Doctor Doom, and boy howdy, one of the, just great. Just so I remember him being sort of a Robotech comic guy. Yeah, he did Robotech. Uh, he he had a character I think called Tempest Fugit, I oh, believe. So time flies. Talking about Ken Stacy, <laughs> but Dave, just pick a card, any card, and then we will. See if we can discuss okay. uh, a comic book person. I'll grab this one. This one's right. What did you get? I got Clive Barker. Clive Barker. Now, Clive Barker is a little bit interesting. And you're like, is Clive Barker a comic book guy? Yeah. Is he a comic book guy? Yes, he is. And I will tell you why he's a comic book guy. Okay. And I will tell you when we have talked about this before. <laughs> okay. This was on our... What episode did we sh- did we record at the 8th Dimension comic book store? That would be our 300th. 300th, yeah. 300th episode. Okay. So we talked to our friend there, uh, Steve Scrosh, mm-hmm. uh, who you might know from many comic book things he's done. Sure. Uh, Stand on Guard, he just did with Brian K. Vaughn. He's got many of his own books. He also is one of the main designers and storyboarders for the Wachowski films. They did a comic book line called, I think, like the Barkerverse or something along those lines. Okay. And one of the characters uh, was called Ecto Kid, who uh, I think was half supernatural and half not. Mm. And Steve drew it, and it was drawn by, oh, sorry, it was written by, I believe, the Wachowskis. Okay. And Fine. so that's how his relationship with the Wachowskis uh, started was, was, was the comic uh, Ecto Kid. Let me see if uh, I am getting that right. I want to, I want to get the Barker verse. Uh, thing. Yeah, you don't want to go off. Yeah, there we go. Ecto Kid. Who is the Wachowskis and Clive Barker's forgotten Marvel hero? Yeah, that's right. It was for it was for Marvel's Razor line, and uh, there were all these uh, Clive Barker uh, created uh, superheroes that were uh, super badass. There was Ecto Kid, Hokum and Hex, Hyperkind, and Saint Sinner. <laughs> all your favorites that you remember to this day. But I'm going to say Echo Kid uh, was the uh, the best. Oh, he was the son of a living human being and a ghost. <laughs> That's who he was. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, Dan Aykroyd and the ghost uh, produced uh, Dan Aykroyd's character. 
Oh, that's the, right. The uh, but, uh, yeah, the blowjob goes from. Uh, yeah, well, they did more than that. They obviously oh, consummated. Oh, so they would have waited a while. They consummated until he got. He know, was young then. He might have, you know, might have. You don't know. It might have just been a bit of foreplay. Okay. You know. Anywho. Oh, by the way, also there was a yeah. lot of uh, Hellraiser comic books. So mm-hmm. if you want to count Clive Barker for for that, I, I once saw an interview with Clive Barker, which I found. I don't know. I found it repulsive. <laughs> And was I he talking about his dental? Uh, no, he was just talking about how great he was uh, having made the, that movie, whatever that movie was called, the one with the pinhead in it. Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Which was based on his novella, Hellbound Heart. And uh, he was very, very pleased with himself. And I definitely recognized him in the later parody of him and, and Garth Marenghi's dark stuff. Oh, is that right? Oh, my gosh, yes. That kind of very... A uh, very high opinion of yourself, and also he was smoking an incredibly large cigar, which I always find really disgusting. I don't know why. I just find the whole like big cigar in a mouth while someone's talking. I just really it's off-putting in the extreme for me. He he almost died from uh, toxic shock syndrome from hmm. a visit to the dentist. Really, where uh, it, it released some uh, poison uh, bacteria mm. into him, and it gave him the most horrific nightmares. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and that's how he became a horror writer? Uh, no, that happened afterwards. Oh, okay. That happened no, afterwards. No connection. All okay. right. You pick so, this time. All right. I will pick, uh, pick in this one. Let's see what we got. And we'll talk about, you know, this, maybe, maybe it'll, hey, by the way. Maybe they'll actually be involved with comics. Before, before mm-hmm. I pick this one. Yep. I'll say, uh, maybe it'll be Stan Sakai. I hope so. I like Stan Sakai. Okay. Uh, Stan Sakai has a cartoon on Netflix right now. Oh, really? Called Samurai Rabbit, which I wish I liked more. Um, it's not called Usa- Us- Us- what is It's it? called Samurai Rabbit, the yeah. Usagi Chronicles, but oh, okay. it's not Usagi Yojimbo. Usagi yeah. Yojimbo is an ancestor of the character. Uh, I see. And it does start off with him reading some comics that are Stan Sakai comics. Mm. But then it's in the future, and it's confusing because it's like sort of in the future, but it's not space Usagi. And I, I was watching it and just going like, I don't know what the problem is. It just feels like it's not enough. Like mm. for some reason, it's just too smooth, and it's just too, too. Everyone's saying stuff like, you know, as if, or you know, <laughs> that just happened. It's that kind of yeah, yeah, dialogue yeah. that you're just, hmm, and very, very safe violence, and it's just too bad because it just felt. You just need a little more grip yeah, or yeah. edge or something. Yeah, it's supposed uh, to be samurais. It's supposed to be yeah. Samurai and apparently, like uh, swords they do, and they do have a little cameo of Osagi in the first episode, and apparently he will be in a later episode, voiced by the same person who voiced him when he. And the only other time he's been an animated character, which is in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Exactly. Okay, now I'm flipping over this card. What if it is Dancing High? <laughs> we, we shot her what? No, it's not. Oh. It's uh, Marie Severin. Oh, Marie Severin. Yeah, a very, very talented artist. She is an artist, painter, colorist, and letterer. I know her best as a colorist from her work on EC Comics. Okay. Um, she, of course, was, I think, the sister of John Severin, who was That's another right. EC artist who had later went on to draw more for Cracked Magazine. He didn't really... Yeah, she do- did a lot of drawings for Not Brand Eck. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. But she also well, apparently drew Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she Hulk became a Marvel. Uh, yeah, she became a Marvel kind of fill-in person. She also did colors for Mar- Marvel as well. And those are in the days when you would cut out the ruby lith and like you cut the colors out and then uh, glue them down over top of like a an overlay 
of the comic page. Okay. And create the colors that way, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. She also uh, penciled uh, Iron Man, Power Man, the Cat, and Cull the Conqueror. And then later in the 80s, uh, it seems like they gave her kind of, you know, yeah. that kind of work that you mm-hmm. give her. Muppet Babies, Fraggle Rock, Alf, and Mighty Mouse. Which, okay. Hey, works work. <laughs> yeah, if you go down the Herb Trimp uh, career path where you just kind of start off, you know, as a, yeah. you know, really right. valuable because you can draw like Jack Kirby and then over time you become less and less uh, interesting. And then along the way you create Wolverine. He did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Him and Len Wein are the creators okay, of Wolverine. Okay, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully he, he lived long enough yeah hopefully he lived long yeah, enough yeah, to get a little bit of it no nothing well you know here's the thing i think uh later on len did get uh, a good little little cut out of that when the movie started coming out okay i think so yes i could see that but I, i'm just wondering about if yeah i don't know i think herb might have been gone by that yeah. point he was he he went into teaching uh i think by then mm. okay so choose wisely choose wisely choose well uh another one all the rest can go to hell. Another one. All right. So I don't know who that is. Okay. David yeah. Wenzel? Do you know? Nope. I don't know David Wenzel, but uh, good for him and his contributions. <laughs> contributions. I feel like I'm forcing you to take yeah, a card. Yeah. Mark Nelson. Who's that? I don't know. All right. Well, there we go. We don't know uh, a lot of people. Here we go. One more. <laughs> a lot of these are Canadian cartoonists. That's where it's okay. uh, kind of throwing us off a little bit. Mark Gruenwald. Oh, Mark Gruenwald. Of course. Uh, Mark Gruenwald was an editor. Uh, and uh, and a writer and uh, the character uh, apparently a fitness advocate. Looking at the uh, him wearing his tank top, as we, I grew up to, as I learned, called a tank top. Sure, right. a tank top means fitness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the character that Owen Wilson plays in um, Loki is based on Mark Gruenwald. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Mister Mobius. Yes. Um, Mark Gruenwald was an editor who. Just knew everything about everything. Okay. He was kind of famous for writing this, uh, the Squadron, Su- not Squadron, Su- yeah, Squadron Supreme okay. uh, comic, which for some reason had his blood in it. They did uh, the same thing that they did with uh, Kiss. Okay. Where, uh, you know, oh, what wh- was fell it? In a printing was it press his blood and... or was it his ashes? It could have been maybe some of his ashes. Oh, wow. I'm trying to th- think. Let me see. Mark Runewald. Uh, ashes. Let me see. It, that's the one of the first things that just came up. Uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, the it was. Uh, they they published uh, uh, a reprint of uh, the Squadron Supreme uh, with his ashes in it hmm. after he passed away. Yeah, wow. but he was uh, he was like one of the biggest nerds, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah, Marvel. yeah. And so later on, when they started doing stories about this um, uh, organization. That uh, kind of was the time council. Everyone looked like him, oh, okay. so everyone was a clone of yeah, Mark yeah. Grunwald. Yeah. So uh, that's what it, uh, that's what's happening in Loki, and so yeah, uh, the Owen Wilson character is basically Mark Grunwald. Interesting. Yeah. I All knew right. Some stuff there. You learn something new every day. Let me pick something. I'm going to pick this one. Yep. You pick it. Uh, Charles Vess, very okay. good artist. Yes, very good artist. Very good artist. Uh, did. Uh, work for um, like Sandman. It was very smooth style. Yeah, I didn't never really liked him very much. He had that kind of pen and ink, very kind of. Uh, oh well, okay, putting him down. Fair enough. Well, wow, let me get my opinion. Way down. Yeah, that doesn't like not like I'm personally oh, against gosh, the guy. Really just, putting him down. Didn't really work for me. Okay, didn't but work, he's one of those guys that would draw for Dave. So I guess it doesn't work. For to anybody. me, he's one of those artists who would draw like the he would do the art for like if you were doing like 
Irish, an Irish story of Irish legends or something like that. Yeah, that's if, the kind if, of thing. There was a story about uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's his thing. Char- well, why Charles, don't you pick? Get one Charles then? Vess on the phone. Why don't you pick one then? Charlie Vess. Oh, local, local okay. artist Hit David Boswell. It. Oh, David Boswell. We read Fleming. Things with world's, David Boswell. World's toughest milkman. Yeah, that's or world's we, strongest milkman. Sorry. No, I think world's toughest. Oh, the world's toughest. Okay. You got that right. Yeah. No, he's a he's a good guy. Uh, man, that guy can draw a pair of shoes. <laughs> he has a very distinct style, that's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. One of those kind people who are old timey guy, but also kind of like a pioneer because he was doing like I guess he was drawing for the Georgia Strait, mm-hmm. like a local alternative From newspaper. Nineteen seventy seven to nineteen seventy eight. Okay. Yep. Doing heartbreak comics for them. I don't think he. I don't think Reed Fleming was in the Georgia Strait though. I think he just did. Nope. Heartbreak comics. That's right. With Laszlo the Slavic lover, whatever he was called, something like that. Yeah, he did. Also did a a, a book called Raymond. 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 Okay. That's okay. right. Okay. I don't. I've never seen that one. That's okay. But yeah, you're right. He in '78 he did uh, Reed Fleming, World's Toughest Milkman. Yeah, which was very successful. Mm-hmm. I think he probably made more money from it selling the film rights than over he ever, and over again. Over and over again than he ever did. Because it's one of those films that every actor of a certain kind wants to do, wants to play this kind of crazy character in a movie. You know, this Yeah, uh, Dave Thomas was uh, one of the characters. Jim Belushi yeah. was gonna was gonna play him for a while. Uh, I'm not sure who else Yeah. You know what I'd say? Uh oof. Who's the guy from uh, Step Brothers? John C. Riley. John C. Riley would. Uh, he he's never been up for it, but I'd go. John C. Riley would be a good. Uh, yeah, he would be good for yeah. that. Yeah, but at this point in life, I think he'd be good as the the his boss. I think he'd be good as his boss. But Reed Fleming is a great milkman, of course, but also a, and a tremendous lover, and also incredibly strong. It's a very silly uh, cartoon, but it's just you know he. It's one of like the first. I would imagine, like, it's very early on in, like, self-publishing, mm-hmm. you know, that he put it together and published it himself and did did pretty well out of it. He didn't have um, Dave Sims' uh, insane work ethic to, you know, to, to grind it out monthly. And, you know, it was one of those sort of things that what you got is what you got. <laughs> yeah. You better enjoy it because there's not a lot of it. But uh, So the most recent appearance of Reed Fleming yeah. was, it looks like, 2002. Yeah. Uh, who he showed up in a one shot, teaming him up with uh, Bob Burden's Flaming Carrot. Yeah, I think think that's a. I have that issue, and I. How is it? It's fine. It's fine. It's a. Uh, it's it's one. It's a jam comic almost. So it's like they were, didn't do it together. They they kind of worked worked on pages, sending them sending them back and forth. So it has a bit of that. But I mean, Flaming Carrot is like a very surreal character, so you can do that quite easily because you're not going to be worried about why well, the story doesn't make any sense. That's right. But like the dog that got up and flew around, the dead dog that got up and flew around the room, that one, that made more sense. That was the first book I read of Flaming Carrot, the first comic story I read. And uh, some spinoff characters from Flaming Carrot comics were the Mystery Men. That's right. Who became a movie with uh, Ben Stiller and Janine Garofalo and uh, Dane Cook. Which is is weird. Yeah. He was the waffler. But only for one scene. One so so popular. Uh, And I imagine that's why we don't hear any... See anything from Bob Burden anymore is that he has all that he needs. There you go. From the selling that, that character. Money. Paul Rubin's also in there as the spleen. Yes, and he's Hank good. Hank Azaria as um, uh, the fork. Okay. He, ta- he threw forks. <laughs> Remember that part. All right, let's try maybe two more. Here we go. Didn't you? Aren't you? Is it your turn? To, okay. Is it? Jim Starlin. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, Jim Starlin. 
Uh, Jim Sterling, I uh, had a couple of dinners with Jim Sterling. He's very nice. Uh, I think of him as a cosmic artist. Yep. Uh, most famous, famous. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say, yeah, famous. He created Thanos for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny story about that was uh, he w- went to see the Avengers movie not knowing Thanos was at the end of it. Oh, really? And uh, and at the end of it, I was like, hey! <laughs> and he was a little steamed. And then the next day, he got a check. And he went, oh, not as steamed anymore. Less steamed, no. But they couldn't even tell him because they didn't want him to spill the beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happens now is like if they use a character of yours that you've created, you will get some pay for mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, but they will not tell you they're going to use that character. So, so there you are. Uh, he also created, uh, Pip the Troll, who, uh, Patton Oswalt, uh, played in the, in the Eternals movie. Okay. Remember at the end of the Eternals movie where, uh, it was, uh, Harry Styles at the end comes out? Yeah. And then, the, and then there's a troll next to him. Who's, yeah. Yeah. That's Pip the Troll. And it was played by Patton Oswalt. Oh, I don't remember that scene at all. Well, I remember it because I do remember you thought it was a different a different performer. Yeah, yeah. And you went, oh, I can't believe they got that guy. And I went, no, that was Harry Styles. And I went, that was Harry Styles. It's <laughs> like, yeah, that was Harry Styles. Yeah. What? And like, yeah. I do. I remember him being in. I just don't remember the scene at all. Yeah, it's not a memorable scene. Yeah, because it's so out of it's, no it's so out of nothing. It's so, it's so yeah. It's what I hate about those movies, of course. The bonus scenes. It's not. You call it a bonus scene. A bonus is like a good thing. Okay. Just throwing on something that's supposed to like whet your appetite for the next movie. Like as if you're not going to go anyway. They don't need to do that garbage. They could just have a movie end for a change. Yeah. So he was, uh, he was best known for, uh, Adam Warlock comics. And that was, uh, just kind of the own, their own corner of the, uh, Marvel universe that would just do these cosmic, weird, freaky mm-hmm, stories. Mm-hmm. And Thanos was one of the characters. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, then he went on to do his own independent work, uh, Dreadstar. Oh, that's right. Dreadstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. But, uh, nice fella. Good artist. Good yeah. writer. Uh, good Thanos person. <laughs> Which came first, Thanos or, uh, Darkseid? Uh, Darkseid. I got Darkseid for sure. That's early 70s. Okay. Whereas Thanos is late 70s. Very good. I'm picking a card. Pick a card. Any card. Uh, I got Kurt Schaffenberger. Nice classic artist. Okay, I don't know his work. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, I know his work is in like he would. He, he had a very gentle style. Like I remember he would. Uh, you'd see his work often in like Superboy comics. Okay. Okay. And it was that kind of like really smooth, appealing style. Like kind of like a young. like a Kurt Swan kind of artist, or kind of Kurt Swanny. Yeah, that's right. But even Kurt. I'd say even smoother. Yeah, he actually he did work for uh, Fawcett mm. in uh, in forty one and forty two. Uh, and yeah, that is on. old school. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, did a lot of stuff like uh, Lois Lane comics and mm. uh, and uh, Superman Family comics. There would yeah, always yeah. be like oh, I love those com- comics. So yeah, I was yeah. Probably, probably, I, his name sounds familiar, and that's probably where I know it from. One thing he drew that I used to like was Mister and Mrs. Superman. Okay, and it would be uh, it was the Earth Two Superman who got married mm. to Lois Lane. Yeah, and then they do stuff like they'd be hanging out with Batman and Catwoman, who are also a married couple. Yeah. And there was one where they just went, you know what? We should probably tell them our identities. And so they were taking off their shirts to show their identities. And it was like, this is a key party. <laughs> Waiting to happen. This is uh, something. Things, they can make a turn. Yeah, this is, uh, this is some shenanigans afoot. Hmm. And then there was, a, there was a thing there. Yeah, and, and the story, boy, the story was obscure. It was like, this, was, this story is a reach and a half. <laughs> which was, uh, Batman heard a thing where it was like, we're going to kill Kent. 
I was like, oh, no, they're going to kill Clark Kent. Well, first of all, no, they're not. It's Superman. <laughs> um, but I think this was before. He would uh, have known that, though. But I don't think that he knew he was Superman at that point. Yeah. And so uh, Batman's like, i got to put a stop to this because mm-hmm. I'm Batman. So uh, he goes through all this thing, and then there's a big party, and then the, the, the killers come out, and they, they, they're shooting at uh, the district attorney <laughs> because originally Harvey Dent yeah. was called Harvey Kent. Uh, and, uh, oh, okay. and, and, and so they kept that as like, oh, his name is Harvey Kent on Earth 2. Mm. So it was really about killing Harvey Kent. <laughs> so there you go. All right, one more. Sure, sure. All right. Pick uh, pick one. Pick <laughs> pick this one here. Yeah, pick one. All right, Sergio Aragones. Oh, did you why our that? good friend, our that good friend your, Sergio that was Aragones. Your own, own choice. Why we uh, we probably we bent his ear for many an hour one day. Yeah, that was a that was our meeting with Sergio Aragones. Was actually down the street from here. Yes, at the PNE there was a comic uh, con. No, it was at the Bayshore. Oh, Dave, I think it was here. Are you sure it was the Bayshore? I was at the Bayshore, yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Okay, you, you you spin the yarn then. Because I drove us there. Okay, very good. Yeah, and uh, I also worked nearby. I still worked there All on right, the weekend. All right, very so. good. I am misremembering. Yeah, yeah. But, very, but uh, people weren't really approaching him. No. And so we talked his ear off for we forever. We talked his ear off. And I, I don't know if he was bored of us or if he just wanted to sit there in silence. I have no idea. But we did not. If he was, if he was laying down any like body language that indicated... For us to go, we were intentionally ignoring it because we we, we bent his ear. Wow, man, it was so great. I mean, I mean, you know, we're of that generation that grew up with Mad Magazine as like a, a regular presence, you know, like a regular part of your life. Like I was always going to, um, there was a used bookstore on Austin Avenue in Coquitlam where I grew up as a kid and that... And they would just sell, they had like tons of old comics and old magazines and stuff in there. And, and old mag, mad magazines were just, they just had tons of them. Like all the old super specials, which are so frustrating because people would have torn out the, 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 they would have like, you know, stickers, they would be gone, posters, they would be gone. They would have, um, re- uh, replicas of the old original mad magazines, the Harvey Kurtzman mad, right. mad comics in them. And those would often be torn out of, like torn out of the spine of the uh, magazine. It was so frustrating, but still they were cheap and you could just buy uh, like what felt like limitless, lim- unlimited amounts of mad magazine. And my yeah. friends and I, my friends and I, we all loved it. And Sergio Aragones was such an important part of that, you know, like not only for his like, you know, regular kind of feature, where it would just be like a bunch of gags on, on a theme, but also for like the little tiny marginal drawings that he would do. They were all like amazingly great, you know, like the detail and yeah. the imagination. And it was just it so. It was just all you needed. Yeah. It was so you could special. also like draw like just a full page of infinite stuff going on, mm-hmm. you know, and it would be, it would be fake perspective. Cause it oh, yeah, be. yeah. Like the characters in the front were the same size as the characters <laughs> in the back, which yeah, they yeah. shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he did one once about a Comic Con. And I loved it so much that uh, when we were doing a Simpsons story once, uh, I, I I wanted to do a parody of that, yeah, and uh, in a in a Sergio style. And then my editor uh, said we might get Sergio. And I was <laughs> like, No, you won't, you liar! Shut up, <laughs> shut up, you liar! And so I wrote it, and Sergio did it. And so Sergio drew something of mine, which Amazing. blows my mind to this day. Yeah, and I've got to meet him a couple of times since then, like kind of peer-ish which was which has been really, yeah really, yeah really nice did you remind him of meeting him at the at the uh the no! <laughs> it feels to me like no nope. my first two 
my first few experiences of going to comic cons were so great mm-hmm. that it like local ones that I can't like nothing will ever be as great as that. Right. Like we went to the island, went to Vancouver Island for like some kind of little dinky comic con in Victoria. Yeah. But it had like fantastic guests. Yeah. Like I Jim didn't know Shooter, Bill Sinkevitz. Yeah. Uh, either Parker or Hart. I don't remember who it was. Whoever was the artist. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, they had people there from like Eclipse Comics had come yeah, I up. I think Paul and, Chadwick was there. Yeah, like this had all these great like people that you were just uh, flabbergasted. Like what? What are they doing here? Yeah. Why are they at in Victoria of all places? I mean, where, how do they get them to come there? And this is like old Victoria, like old people Victoria, and that was great. That was like so great. Like we came back from that. I remember reading Dark Knight on the ferry back, which makes it even better because like you know you're reading like a great comic book as well. And then the other one was going to this, which wasn't like a great comic con, but it was just great because Sergio Aragonis was there yeah. and no one cared. Yeah. I think literally maybe one other person came and they did not hang around because we just like pushed them away. But yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. What an amazing experience. The, uh, two, two things. He was also, uh, he was also an actor. He's okay. In, he's in a film called Norman. Is that you? That's a Red Fox film. I see. And the Red Fox, and it's which is based on a play. And it's a it's a fellow who finds out he's got a gay son. Okay. And uh, you know, uh, is it the best movie? <laughs> but Sergio <laughs> plays the desk clerk and gets some. Have good you laughs. seen it? I've seen enough of it. Yeah, okay. I've seen a lot of it. <laughs> much like uh, much like uh, Miss Nude Canada, I've seen enough. Okay. <laughs> There's probably more to see. Don't know if I need to see. Don't know to see. Um, sure. But uh, but it was, you know it's it's all right. And uh, he was also in the revival of Laugh In in 1977. George Schlaffer, uh, Schlaffer, Schlaffer, yeah, Schlatter, uh, Schlatter, Schlatter, Laugh In, and uh, which was most famous for uh, being Robin Williams' big break. I that see. was not a big break. Yeah, this was before Mark and Mindy. Yeah. though he he was wearing the exact same outfit that he wears in Mark and Mindy. Oh, really? That was what he used to wear doing stand-up. The stripes and the rainbow suspenders. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. when you see him in this, you're like, oh, yeah. It's just full-on Robin Williams. And he was like the best part, clearly, of the of, of the show. Yeah. But Sergio Aragonis was one of the one of the main actors in, in the revival of Laughing. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, other things that Sergio did besides Mad mm-hmm. uh, was, of course, he created Gru. Yes. Which is a barbarian uh, warrior that he does with Mark Avanier. Uh, and uh, he also created the DC character Batlash, which was kind of... Really? Yeah. A Western... Uh, Western uh, kind of con man. Sort of maverick kind he of He would way. rather love than fight. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's very maverick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Huh. Cool. And that character keeps popping up every so often. I, ha- I had a uh, DC, like one of those black and white throw them all togethers of Bat- Batlash. Mm-hmm. I think you probably you probably lend it to me, and they're pretty good. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, he also uh, wrote for uh, the Adventures of Jerry Lewis. He wrote for Angel and the Ape, okay, the Infer- Inferior Five, and uh, and also wrote for some young romance hmm. uh, comics. Uh, but yeah, he and then he was like uh, one of the main cre- um, contributors to Plop Magazine, which was DC's mm-hmm. attempt at kind of doing a mad. Yeah, yeah, which it landed with a plop. Yeah. It did what it did, and it's reprinted a couple of times, and yeah, it's fine. I had a reprint of it. It had a Basil Wolverton drawing yeah, on the yeah. front. So Basil I, Wolverton uh, did stuff for him. Yeah. Uh, they also um, 
uh, just did a crossover between Gru and Conan, done in both styles, both okay. the Sergio styles and the classic Conan style, and also huh. a crossover between Gru and Tarzan, done in old timey Tarzan style. Yeah, as well. yeah, and both some, are good. Some Burn Hogarth or uh, Gray Morrow. Yeah, very winky winky, but mm-hmm. you know, good. And uh, yeah, uh, Sergio Argonis, uh, fantastic guy. Saw. The Simpsons movie, two seats over for, from him. Okay. Yeah, because we were all invited to see it on the Fox lot when we were working for Bongo Comics. And uh, yeah, it was fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds great. He has a good laugh. <laughs> ha ha! <laughs> That's good. It's good to make Sergio Aragonas laugh. Yeah. That's this good. is kind of my thing when I was working on Mad Magazine. I was like, there's something right about working on this magazine because everyone lives forever. <laughs> all these people are like in their 80s and 90s and yes it's you know a, at that point uh sergio was a young in his 70s mm-hmm. but now he's like you know in his mid 80s and he's still still on fire still working full-time still doing yeah. it lives in the napa valley he has a nice big yep big house and oh big what property. did he say about his house i don't remember now uh, what he said about his house was do do what you love uh because it doesn't matter how much money you make and here's why you know, I've got a pool. I've got a beautiful pool. I've got an amazing pool. My pool is amazing. I'm like, oh, that's great. Anyway, like, but I don't see my pool because I'm working. <laughs> my kids see my pool. They love the pool. Yeah. But I'm looking at the desk. So it's lucky that I love what I'm doing because they get the pool and I get the desk. <laughs> so just remember, do the things that you love because you're going to be getting the desk. So, yeah. Yes. He w- he had some pithy advice for us. He was very, he's very nice. He was very nice to us. Two young, two young dummies. Yeah, and uh, but we weren't. I mean, and he's been nice ever since. We weren't gushing, but we were on the verge of gushing. There yeah, was, we knew what was going on. We there was it was close to gushingness. And he's told us yeah. that uh, you know uh, where he would make his money. Yeah, was the uh, mad uh, books they would sell like at the airport. And whatever. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the the reprint collections yes. that were like the the. You know, novel size. I've got a, t- uh, I've got a ton of his. Yeah, yeah. mad look at. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got tons. And then that market went away, and I was like, yep. And that money dried away, dried away as well. Mm-hmm. But, but I think he, I think he did okay with uh, with Gru. And you know, up until the end of Mad, so far, uh, he was he was there as well. Hmm. Wow. He's working. He's, He's working fine. Great guy. Yeah. Great guy. We are. We're, we all like him. So there we go. That was a good person to, uh, to end on. <laughs> yes, it was nice to meet him. Not like that artist that you don't remember who was in that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, I feel bad about that. They probably worked very hard. I'm sure they did. They're listening did. to this podcast going, <gasps> and then <laughs> they got <"Nah."> nothing. <laughs> Throw it away. <laughs> well, fortunately, it's highly unlikely they're listening to a podcast. Mm. It's as likely as my father listening to a podcast now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's busy showering with boys. This is his own children, as he likes his own children. Okay, singing songs to at us. least singing songs. To us. What was down what? by the old no, mill no, stream, no. and then he pees on you. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty funny joke. <laughs> no, um, no, he'd sing stuff like uh, "High up in the mountain, green grows the grass. Down came the billy goat, sliding on his overcoat." Oh, come on. <laughs> Just stuff like that. It's pretty good. It's this little, uh, you know, diff- little things. <gasps> Dad's gonna swear? No, we didn't swear. I mean, probably didn't even know that there was a swear word in there when I was th- that young. No, of course not. Just, just having fun. Just a bunch of guys having fun together. I, I never knew there was, uh, you know, the real lyrics to "On Top of Spaghetti." 
Oh, really? I never knew about On Top of Old Smokey. Oh, you didn't know that, really? No. Oh, I just funny. knew On Top of Spaghetti, all okay, covered with cheese. cheese. I lost my poor meatball oh, when somebody sneezed. It rolled, up, rolled out across the table and down on the floor. And then my poor meatball went right out the door. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We uh, all remember that. On Top of Old Smokey. All what? covered with cheese. All covered with cheese. <laughs> Yeah, I know the meatball was there. Please stop the song, please. Stop singing, please. Mr. Dedrick, I don't want to shower with you anymore. We're going to finish this song. If it kills us. That's right. I'm starting to prune. I've got a podcast to do. I don't know what that is. I'm in my 80s. So, uh, uh, so what your wife listens to. It's about murders. That's, you know, that's, that's the market for that. I got a, I got a nice compliment today uh, oh, about horse mysteries. Well, someone that uh, someone, oh, someone's doing another podcast. One of one of our one of one of the installers at work uh, was talking about true crime, and I mentioned that we were doing this podcast, and so he gave it a listen, and he said it's very nice, and he also said Lisa has a perfect voice for for a true crime podcast. Sure, really that's it. a great yeah. And uh, he said it probably wasn't a good idea to begin by telling people that you'd never listen to a true crime podcast before but he said it still was good so that was yeah it was nice to nice nice to get an in-person review cool uh, someone enjoyed it so that was very good and we just today we're recording on thursday of course yeah we uh the last show of this first season came out okay so we're gonna take a little break sure. uh, until the fall and then we'll come back with some more gonna episodes. put it in the stable gonna put it in the stable and give it lots of hay that's right and uh actually you know what don't put, put it, it in, away wet don't put it in the stable because it's just a lot of work. And it's summertime, and horses are perfectly fine living outside, as long as you have some shelter for them. Okay. And it's way less work. All right. So, yeah, it's fine that way. So, we're just putting it out, outside in the field, with where it's got a loafing shed it can go into if it rains out. I think the second season you should record on horses. You know what? That's a crazy idea. It just might work. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't ridden a horse for a long time. I'd be really nervous. It's one thing when you're 20 and you're riding a horse. Sure. It's another thing when you're 56 and you're riding a horse. Because when you fall off when you're in your 20s, and I know this for a fact, it's not that big of a deal. But it could be catastrophic yeah. falling off. Yeah, it's not great falling down. Things that, you, you know, yeah. things that you did in your 20s you know, are things that require a helicopter to come and medevac you to a hospital. <laughs> you know? So it's just a little different, a little different uh, outcome. And I think Lisa feels that way too. That it's harder to harder to ride now, and I think part of that is just you have a different sense of your or mortality, you know, and not even mortality, just a different sense of like risk and and what falling off will do to you, which is not, you know, yeah, like I'm, you know, my age, I'm my bones are all chalk now. I have no more cartilage. That's a guy who fell on the ice in uh, in uh, <laughs> yes. December and is yeah. still paying the price. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like if you'd done that when you're in your twenties. You might have hurt yourself a little bit, but you would have got up, dusted yourself off, and walked away. Well, here's the thing that's going on with me right now, and you know, it's something. It's a it's a weird thing because I got uh, a jury notice uh, today. Really? And so yeah, and so uh, I'm I'm supposed to go in for it at like uh, end of uh, June. Okay. And so they you know give you the thing of this like, are you uh, qualified to do? Are you able to do this? And I'm like, uh, maybe. But, and so, you know, I was, I was telling them like, you know, since I've had this fall, I have a real hard time concentrating for okay. long periods of time. Like yeah. even on like television shows or watching like, you know, uh, like an hour long 
uh, thing and like I'm kind of missing the plot a little bit you know here I got to really concentrate like even doing this it's like I've really got to concentrate at times and snap to it and like yeah. okay or I can do like I, I do like the critical hit show but then I've got like this burst of adrenaline that gets me through sure, sure, it but yeah. then afterwards I'm like a mess <laughs> um, so I'm like can I main can I can I concentrate enough to retain this information that's that's going to be going on for whatever amount of time and I'm like i'm not really sure so I, I i i wrote them just letting them know what the situation was yeah and i'm i'm looking at this going this looks fake this looks fucking fake this yeah. just looks like uh, i'm just trying to like bail out of this <laughs> and it's like you know i'm not the biggest fan of like doing this but i'll do it yeah but like I don't, I literally don't know if I have the concentration to do it. Yeah. And like, I know the situation would then be, well, where's your doctor's note? Mm. And it's like, well, I, I don't have a doctor's note because I didn't know I'd need a doctor's note. Yeah. And yeah. like, what doctor's note? From what? <laughs> like, what do I do? Do I just go to a doctor yeah. and go, hey, this is what I've been going through and it's really hard to concentrate. Um, but I'm, I'm getting better, but I don't know if I'm fully woof, when someone's, livelihood is on the line yeah here you know uh what to do what to do what to do so i tried to write a letter with as much truth in it as i could yeah uh today and and sent that off they'll they'll write back to you dear fresh meat Mm, maybe yeah i'm just i am legitimately worried that i would not be able to do the task to the point Mm -hmm. where it needs to be done yeah yeah i don't know that's legitimate to worry. Have you ever done jury stuff? I am not a citizen of any country. Right, 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 right. I mean, right. I'm a citizen of America, but I don't live there. Right, so right, 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 right. I don't get sent mail. I'm invisible. But can you vote? I cannot vote because I, I, because I came here very young. I do not have a social right security. Number. I don't want to blow your. Uh... And I get in trouble every time I have to go get a passport, and they're just like, "How could you not have a social security number?" And I'm like. I never was told to get one. And then it became a thing when Obama was president. But uh, this is so much work. And I, it's got to go down to the States and apply. And blah. I know I have to do it. One of these days, I'll. Do you, you want know. us to give you a social insurance number? We'll just like. Give just make one up? Yeah. I'm sure. Sounds yeah, fine. Whatever your lucky numbers are. <laughs> 24, 24, 6, 24, 4. Um, of course, to say sold American. <laughs> I. Uh, passport American. I will. I I will do it. I have to do it because one day my passport will run out, and I feel like I feel like my last two times of like you know amiable stupidity will won't get me very far. Yeah, you, know? you don't. Eventually, it runs out. Eventually, the the your you know whatever it is your the leash runs. <laughs> you know, just, your leash. Your, your leash, leash runs out, and it's time to. They're just like you better get that number, or we're not going to give you a passport. Right. I'd be like, but I want to travel. So yeah, I have to. That I have to do good. it. Yeah, you should get that number. I have to do okay, it. Okay, make sure you do that. Um, hey Dave, are we in a vampire week or are we? We what? are in a vampire week. Very good. We had. Tell a, me more. We had a queenly week last week. Tell me more. Tell, tell me, me more. more. Tell me more, 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 more. But this week, did he suck up some blood? Well, he did. He did. He did last time. Did he die with a thud? <laughs> Excuse me. He did not. Sorry. I have. I'm a bit hungry and I hiccup. Did he fall in some mud? <laughs> Um, it's really too bad we're not going to the movies after this because you could eat food there. I could eat some food there. It's too oh, bad well, we're not going. That's too and bad. the thing is, the Sam Sam Raimi film, ridiculous. Um, so Ian, that's my name. Don't, Don't wear it to death. <laughs> I will not wear your name. The 
The thing is, yeah, Dark Shadows. Here's the thing. Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. They have a little thing that they like to do, which is have a lot of stories going at the same time. Like, okay. we have so many okay. different storylines going every which way. And this going. is just in the past. I see what you're saying. I mean, in the in the future of the show, right? we're still dealing with, like, a ghost in the house chasing them out, a werewolf, right. the werewolf's girl ex-girlfriend showing up in a wheelchair, <laughs> and in some sort of catatonic state. Like, we got a lot of stuff going on. So she's a wheelwolf. She. <laughs> and and in the past we've got you know barnabas traveling via the I Ching into the past we've got quentin we've got yeah the real there's no bad ideas vibe yeah it's kind of crazy like i was reading in my in um dark shadows every day and he was pointing out the author of that blog was pointing out like this show is breaking all the rules of daytime television how so which is that you have a very simple plot uh-huh. that you recap a lot okay? because teenagers and housewives are dumb. <laughs> and okay. so you don't want them to like, you can't expect them to remember what happened the day before because right. they're dumb and they won't right. remember. Okay. But this show, they've like chucked recaps out the door. <laughs> there are no recaps. And when they do a recap, it's it gets interrupted. It's unsatisfying recap. It doesn't give you any information that you might need. You might not remember what was happening, and they're not going to tell you. Did you miss yesterday's show because you had to stay late at school? Sorry. Sore beans. We're going to carry on without you. And there's no internet. But people did. I mean, people carried on. Like, you know, and it's just amazing. Like, this show, you know, stacks the storylines, doesn't give you recaps, throws in new characters, and it's just kind of like, good luck. So, you know, so last week on the show... We get, I mean, we met her once, but it was like quite a few weeks went by before we ever saw Nora, Jameson's sister again. And suddenly she's like a major plot element in last week's show, where she's seeing her mother's face in a fire. And then she goes out, she has a dream about her mother. She goes out to find her mother and she's out in the woods walking around and she, and her mother, well, I'm, maybe I'm getting away too much, but mm-hmm. a woman approaches her All right. and lays her hand on her arm and, and Nora looks up in surprise. And because it is Nora's mother, she tells Nora. Nora's like, "How? Where were you? How?" Yeah. And she's like, "Well, it's a long story." She says, "She says I had a dream about you," and she said, "I had the same dream as well. I dreamed about you." Okay. And then, you know, like I say, she, she, um, you know, Nora's like, "Well, how come you've never come and visit us here?" And she's, and she's like, "Well, you know," and she kind of, like I say, she kind of evades the question, but she does express some bitterness towards Judith. And Edward, oh, her, her so-called husband. Uh, she she says it in a way that implies like that they're such stiff-necked, you know, uh, you know, do do goody do-gooders like that they wouldn't that you know they're just like no fun, a couple of sticks in the mud. They would feel that way about her, kind of feeling. Okay, all right. But Nora's mother wants Nora and Jameson to run away from Collingwood, Collingwood with her. But Nora's not really doesn't want to do that because she wants her parents to be her parents again right and she's like but don't you want to come live with us at collingwood and her you know she's she says i don't think i should show myself at collingwood yet she says and then she says i'm gonna have to leave you if you don't want to come with me and nora's of course afraid that she will not return so nora's mother as a pledge to her that she will come back for sure she gives her a brooch with a large kind of turquoise stone on it okay 
Maybe it's jade. I don't think it's jade. It's like a turquoise. Nora is fascinated to see that the stone is covered with the same Egyptian symbols as the ones she had drawn earlier. I don't know if you remember last week, she was drawing a picture. And Quentin was disturbed to see that it had, well, Edward, everyone was disturbed to see that it had Egyptian writing on it. It was actually Barnabas who somehow was able to decipher hieroglyphics sure. and say what it meant that her, that her mother was coming home. Uh, and then she mentions that Quentin's there, and Nora's mother reacts fearfully to the idea that Quentin is living at the house. But she leaves and promises to return. Meanwhile, back at Collinwood, Edward is on the phone with the Reverend Trask. Now, this is another one of the storylines that we have kind of like floating in the air. Reverend Trask runs a school, a private school called Worthington Hall. For mutants? Not for mutants. <laughs> and he, and of course, Edward is wanting to send the children there because he feels like the house is not a wholesome place for the children to be because Quentin's there yeah, and a lot of stuff's right. going on. And he's right. He's, right. he's completely there's, right. There's a vampire. There's, yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. problems. There's problems there. So he wants to send them, the, the, you know, the kids to, to, to Trask. So he tells Trask that he will send the children to Worthington Hall after all. After he kind of backed off last episode. Now he's changed his mind again. Now, but Jameson is listening in to this incredible betrayal, standing on the stairwell. He overhears the conversation. He immediately runs to Quentin for help. And Quentin, of course, uh, is so... So interesting because he's such a mean, miserable character to, particularly to like the female characters. They get a lot of strangling, a lot of rough manhandling from this character. But to Jameson, he is just like the best uncle. He's like the uncle you would have loved to have had. Okay. Always joking around and uh, showering with you. Sh- that's weird. I don't know. If that's what your uncle did. That's fine. I, don't, okay. I have no. I have no. That's more a dad thing. Yeah, the dad thing. So. I don't know. You have this idea that I was like a teenager, but this is not what, you know, like, <laughs> this is like a little kid. Anyway, Quentin announces that they are going to prevent Trask from coming. He says, if we can't stop your father from sending you right. to the school, we can stop Reverend Trask from coming here to get you. All right. So he says, we're going to do what we did with Barnabas. We're going to get something that belongs to him and we're going to use it to control him. And so Trask left a book behind. And they're going to use it to cast a spell. So Quentin leaves, and Nora enters. She tells Jameson that she saw their mother. Of course, Jameson is like, you saw what? He doesn't believe it at all, but, but Nora, try, Nora tries to convince Jameson. But they're overheard by Edward. Edward walks in, and he's like, what is this? He sternly puts down any talk of their mother and sends them to their room as, as rooms as punishment. Quentin comes upon this and strongly objects to the children being sent to Trask's Trask school. Uh, the children are discussing the general unfairness of life in their room when Quentin enters. He discusses his and Jameson's game, which is a good callback to what the kids were playing in the game. They're playing with a ghost of Quentin. Uh, letting Jameson know that Nora can't play with them, though, so she can't take part in this game. He is stunned, though, to see Nora's brooch, the gift from her mother, and he snatches it from her and begins rifling through the papers on his desk. Downstairs, there is a knock at the front door. Edward answers and is aghast to see his estranged wife standing in the doorway. So, of course, he's not happy to see her. She apparently has betrayed him in some way, and he is very upset about it. He tells her, and she she says, don't you want to say anything to me, Edward? And he says, the only word I want to say to you is goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) She asks to see the children, but he refuses. He says, the you are no fit woman to see our children. Okay. Now, tough but fair. It may have been hinted at before, but we learned for sure that she abandoned Edward by running away with Quentin. 
she and he considers that she lost all right to be a mother to the children when she did this. Okay, fair enough. She she asks to be taken back by Edward. She does a tearful a tearful re- request, but he angrily refuses, and she throws herself on his mercy. She's crying and she's begging, and then meanwhile Quentin asks Nora about the brooch, but Nora lies to him. He, she doesn't tell him where it came from. She says she found it. Edward, meanwhile, is telling his wife, whose name is Laura. I should have mentioned that his name. Her name is Laura. Tells she uh, she tell he tells Laura that. He has a thousand dollars in his study, which he will give to her on the understanding that she will never return to Collinwood. Then he leaves to get it. Quentin, uh, usually so unperturbed, is very perturbed by Nora's brooch. He doesn't understand like where this came from. How how did she get it? Because he knows who's, who it belongs to, but he doesn't understand how it would arrive at Collinwood. So he runs downstairs and charges into the drawing room to talk to Edward, but is aghast and amazed to see Laura there. She says, hello, Quentin. But he simply says, change turn pages, sorry. He simply says, you can't be here. I saw you die. I saw you die. That's the final part of the, that, that episode. Wow. Quentin, so we come back next time. There is a very brief recap of the scene. And then Quentin tells Laura that she isn't real. Now, these recap, this is, of course, them recreating. Yes, they recreate the scene over again and then cut out part of it that's not important because it, you know, it only played in what was happening last, last episode. Uh, and then they, they carry on. So he tells her that she isn't real. He doesn't believe that she's there. He saw her sacrificed on a burning pyre in Alexandria when they were in Egypt. Laura accuses him of being so obsessed with the occult and the supernatural at that time that he must have hallucinated her death. Oh, okay. But he firmly believes that he saw her burn to death. She says, do you see any signs of me burning? Do you see any burn scars on me? Mm-hmm. He said, it doesn't matter. I saw you. Yeah, there's no pyre damage. I, <laughs> I literally saw you being burned to death, probably by a pyromaniac. Yeah. She holds out her hands as proof of being real and not a ghost. But even when he briefly takes her hand, he is not impressed, believing her only capable of evil. Edward returns, and if possible, is even more incensed to find the two together. <laughs> but Quentin turns the tables on him and insists that Edward send Laura as far away and as quickly as possible. Edward attempts to force Laura to take the money and leave, but she refuses. She insists on speaking to Edward alone in his study. Uh-oh. There, she basically blackmails him into allowing her to stay at Collinwood by threatening to tell the story of her tawdry affair with, with Quentin through all of Collinport, Collinsport. So, you know, she plays on his incredible fa- sense of family honor, right. which he will not allow to be tarnished. Smirched. Yes, be smirched. So Edward gives away, but refuses to agree to any sort of husband-wife relationship. So he says, I will allow you to stay here briefly, but we're going to prepare the cottage and you can live there. Okay. Because you cannot live with me here. And she keeps wanting to refer to herself as the lady of the house. And she says, you are not the lady of the house because I'm not the gentleman of the house. Judith... And he got the house, and she is the lady of the house. Um, after Laura leaves, Edward calls Trask to accelerate the children's departure for Worthington Hall. So he doesn't, he doesn't want the children to have anything to do with her. So he wants them to get out of the house as quickly as possible. Rachel finds Quentin in the drawing room, and he is in a miserable mood because of Laura's return to Collinwood, which has really upset him. There is a knock at the door, and Rachel answers to find her old school chum, Tim. Oh who helped her get through her mis- miserable years at Worthington Hall. Of course, Tim is played by Don Briscoe, who we last saw as, as uh, 
Tom Jennings, the werewolf. We must recycle our actors. We can't just let them go because we, because the uh, producer Dan, uh, Dan Collins loved his actors too much to say goodbye forever, which is why uh, Laura's uh, why Laura, the mother of Nora and uh, Jameson, is played by the same actress who played the mother of of David in uh, the later. Uh, is it David? What's the name of the young boy in the later? Oh, that's a good question. I think it is David, but I can't remember now. It's been so long since we were in the in that time period. Yeah. Um, they kind of they share an awkward hug because he looks a little guilty. He is not wholly so shifty eyes. Yeah, he's not wholly there. Uh, he's a little standoffish. And Rachel is, of course, shocked to discover that Tim is, as Reverend Trask had told her, working as a teacher at Worthington Hall. And he kind of makes excuses. He says, you know, well, he tells her a story first that um, when when they escaped from Worthington Hall and he went to collect the money that was owed to them from Trask's study, he ran into Trask's brother there, okay. and they got into a fight, and he knocked him unconscious, and they left. Yeah. But what he didn't know was that he killed Reverend Trask's brother. Oh. So Re- Reverend Trask is blackmailing him into working at Worthington Hall. And also, he has come to collect the children, which is even more shocking to, to Rachel, because she thought that everything had been ironed out, that the kids weren't going to Worthington Hall. But no, they are going. Uh, meanwhile, at the old... Spaghetti factory. <laughs> The old spaghetti factory. The bread is really good there, by the way. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. That's no good if you're a vampire, though. You can't eat the bread. You can't eat the bread. Nope. This is a Barnabas-free episode, Especially though. Especially the garlic bread. This is a Barnabas-free episode and a Jameson-free episode. Huh. Because they have enough. They have too many people in the cast. They can't They can't have any more. Barnabas is your meat and potatoes, man. What are you doing? Not, not this episode. Wolverine's not showing up on the X-Men? Oh, no. Okay, fine. It's your funeral. And it really was his funeral. At the old cottage, is what I was going to try to say, right. Quentin tries to summon Angelique because he wants someone to come and stop Laura from whatever it's going on here. He doesn't okay. trust her. Meanwhile, back at Collinwood, Rachel says goodbye to the children and Tim. And she apologizes for her behavior with Tim and says, I understand that you are in a difficult situation and I'll try to be, I'll try to be understanding. I'd, of course, she says, she says goodbye to the children off camera so we don't, we don't have to see, they don't have to bring David in. Uh, a disconsolate Quentin. You like that word? Another three-letter word there. A disconsolate, disconsolate Quentin. <laughs> oh, I couldn't say it twice. Uh, Too bad I got cocky. Tried to got cocky. You know what? I can edit that out, though. All right. Say it again. Disconsolate. Say say disconsolate Quentin. A disconsolate Quentin. Oh, well. Sits by the fire at the cottage, <laughs> calling to Angelique. He's inter- interrupted by Laura. She walks into the cottage, and of course, what, is, what are you doing here? And she says, don't you know I'm going to live here, Quentin? Mm-hmm. She accuses him of dabbling in the occult, and he insists again that she died in Egypt, and nothing she says will convince <laughs> him otherwise. Shut up, you died in Egypt. And when she does deny it, he begins to strangle her, saying, if you didn't die then, you're going to die now. You're just like, I'm and just picturing the them at couples counseling. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I just a couples counseling. Yeah. Like, when he says that you died in Egypt, yeah. how does that make you feel? <laughs> it just makes me not feel heard. Okay. So if he was to strangle you, yeah. Yeah. what would, would that... I, I You know what? No. I feel seen. No, what you say is, I think he's confused what a mummy is. Oh. I have two children. He's got mummy issues. Yeah, he's got mummy issues. All right. Yeah. Well, that's good he's at therapy then. <laughs> but anyway, that's the end of this episode of Dork Shadow. Good stuff. And uh, you're watching this on Tubi. Watching on Tubi. Episode number... That was 731. Very good. Watch along if you want to watch. Watch ahead if you want to spoil. Watch (laughs) behind for no damn reason. 
It's your life. Watch what you want to be. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. I was watching Paycheck on there last night. The Ben Affleck, John Woo directed. Yes. Uh, movie. You know, he is uh, directing uh, The Killer. John Woo is directing The Killer? Yeah. Or Ben Affleck is directing The Killer. John Woo is directing The Killer. Like a remake, an English remake of The Killer? Yes. Oh. Uh, for Netflix. Oh, really? Interesting. Yep. Will it have doves in it? Ooh. Okay. Do you want some doves? That's a John Woo thing. Yep. Birds. Uh, oh, doves. I thought you said dubs. Like, no, doves. Dubbing over no, things. no, doves. Oh, okay. They're going to dub the doves. Mm-hmm. Double doves. Here in Dubbird. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go to the mailbag now. Please go to the mailbag. All right. All these letters to Santa Claus. Uh, uh, refresh your uh, screen, by the way. Oh, uh, is it not as fresh as it uh, used to be? Jeez. I don't know. I don't know if you got I guess so. I just noticed there's I'm a... going to add a mint. I noticed there's a, a letter that might not have been there. All right. Well, I got six uh, comments. Oh, okay. Keep going. I have to uh, I have to approve this comment. So Please do approve the comment. Keep, keep... Well, let me first of all just tell the nice people out there that last week we asked a couple of questions. Yeah. We asked when you have uh, friends and family over, or well, what do you do together? Also, hey, you want a million dollars, what's the first thing you'd buy for yourself? Mm. There we go. So, uh, we've got six comments. Will it go to seven? We'll see by the end. <laughs> Matt Smith writes, Bonjour, Jean de Dragon Sournois. Uh, <laughs> like yesterday, I remember it, walking uh, into Waldenburg Books in Cemetery, uh, Seminary South Shopping Mall, where there on a table of new books, it sat, because we uh, had uh, this book, uh, like, uh, displayed. Growing up with the Beatles, bouncing off the wall I was. Beatles books being rare in those days, mm. but heartbroken too. Yeah. The five ninety five asking price was well beyond my 12-year-old financial wherewithal. <laughs> Several days of pestering my parents until they caved and bought the damn thing to shut me up. It was all mine. Oh, boy. I devoured it. Uh, I didn't know how many times, and I still have my copy from 1976. A flood of Beatles books followed soon after. Uh, many more accurate and informative, but this one, being among the first of my literary Beatles collection, always held a special place in my heart. Schamberg, to the best of my knowledge, never appeared at any Beatles conventions or in later years showed up on any podcast. Seems like years later that I read he had become a pastor or some such, <laughs> but don't hold me to that. All right, we won't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was given the book, um, like maybe grade eight or so, as a, as a Do you cri- know, uh, Christmas gift. What ended up uh, happening to uh, them? Schamberg? Uh, no, I don't. No. The book, in fact, did come with a poster, which mm-hmm. was the same picture as the cover of the book. Yeah. I hung it on my bedroom wall along with the additional poster. You hung it as well? Yep. Along with the uh, additional posters of the Beatles and other bands. And, of course, Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> Those <laughs> posters remember that sultry picture. are unfortunately lost to time now. Mm. Uh, but at least I still have the book. I do uh, not have the book anymore. Edward uh, Dransky writes to him, uh, Hey, Matt, a few shows back, did I hear you mention you visited uh, the Fort Worth uh, Library? Uh, above, you mentioned a Seminary South as a 12-year-old. Are you still living in the uh, DFW Metroplex? I'm in McKinney, Cullen uh, County, just north of Piano. You're the closest sneaker I've yet to encounter here. Is it Piano or P- Plano? Oh, maybe it's Plano. Yeah, let's go Plano. Mm-hmm. Too bad it's not piano. <laughs> I like piano better. But maybe, hey, maybe we're going to get a team up of Matt and Edward. What will happen? Oh, boy. Will they get together? Will they solve mysteries? Sneaker meetup. 
sneaker meet up. Uh, speaking of sneaker meet up, who we've met up with is Louise, and she writes us uh, saying, "The first thing I'd buy for myself is an electric car." Or whatever is the best technology for the environment at the time of my big win. My little car has Bicycle. Low, has low mileage and is still running well, but is now old enough to vote. <laughs> Ian, hey, that's me. I also thought there was something familiar about the melody of Queen of the Lot. I figured uh, out the opening bars reminded me of uh, parts of a couple other songs. One is the end credits theme from the 1982 Blade Runner score by Vangelis. The other is the chorus to Mr. Monday by the original uh, cast. From 1970, do either of those ring a bell? I will have to give them a listen and see. Hmm. Uh, Lisa writes, wait, Lisa. Wait, is she is the host host of, of host with most of uh, Horse Mysteries? Yes, I believe so. Okay. They're taking a, a break for some reason. She needs to have time to put together some more great stories. Very good. And she's also she very busy in the summer. Does she commit the crimes and then pins them on other people and does the podcast to like point, yeah, well, I guess see some shifty eyes. <laughs> Question number one. When friends and family are over, usually we eat some food and then Dave entertains the masses. Nice. I do tend to go on. Uh, question two. If I won a million dollars and live somewhere else, I would buy a place for my horses to live together. But since a million dollars would be an insignificant down payment on uh, acreage around here, I would buy a horse that I could compete on in horse shows. But mainly I just bank it and retire from my job. Yep. James, all, all that sounds good. James Murray writes, Hi, guys. Uh, first time Hello. commenter. This is a first time commenter. Woo. New commenter. Ring the bell. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Here, I'll play the bell here. Ah, <laughs> first time commenter. Long time listener. Well, about two years. Oh. Uh, great show as usual. Thanks. Uh, just wanted to say thank you for all the love and joy you've helped spread over the last two years. Oh. I came to Sneaky Dragon via Totally Tintin and Completely Beatles uh, whilst uh, walking my then newborn son uh, during early lockdowns at home in Ireland. Oh, wow. It's genuinely lovely to listen to two great friends talk about their lives and sweets each week. <laughs> In answer to the questions, before COVID-19 and my son... Uh, my wife and I would host game nights at our house. Fun. Everything from charades, taboo, to the game of life would be played, but not Monopoly. <laughs> Add in a few drinks and who needs the pub and nightclubs? Huh. Uh, as a massive Formula One fan, I would spend a nice amount of uh, going to see every race in the season. Okay. 23 races all around the world sounds like a nice way to see many different places while indulging my passion. That's, That's cool. A good That's way cool. to spend a million dollars. A lot of people will do like... They'll be fans of baseball, let's say, and they'll go around and, and go to various different parks to see, especially the old classic ones. Thanks again for all the laughs. I'll try and comment more often now. Keep on sneaking. P.S. Any other Irish sneakers out there? Whew. That's a challenge. Any Irish sneakers out there? <laughs> it's a challenge. Come on, the town! <laughs> um, uh, I am biologically Irish, I have found. At least okay. half. Okay. Oh, half, uh, half of you. Half of me. And wow. Half Scottish. Hmm. Kind of a mix. Warring, warring sides. Oh, the insides of me are fighting. <laughs> Edward uh, returns uh, to the letter column oh. from earlier in the letter column. Yeah. Saying, gentlemen. Guess that covers everyone. Yeah, fair enough. Dave. One of us anyway. Let's see a photo of your new car. Oh, okay. Nothing is greater than owning a new car. It's uh, it's new to me, but yes. It's, yeah, uh, I'm happy for you. Uh, may you and your you. Subaru enjoy many happy miles together. Thank you. Uh, and now to discuss what we were discussing. Mm. Uh, the clear vinyl upholstery covers are really a thing. 
years ago when we visited my family in Chicago, uh, we went uh, to my aunt's and uncle's home and they had the plastic covers on their sofa and chairs. They're like zipper bags uh, made to preserve the soft cushions and only uh, on the sofa and chairs in the main family room. Uh, We went down the street to see my uncle's friend uh, Nunzo uh, so he could show off his house to us. The front lawn was bathed in colored lights and Madonna statues. Very Catholic. (laughs) The inside of Nunzo's home looked untouched and immaculate uh, (laughs) because everything was encased in clear plastic. Every room was like a showroom, uh, as if the family didn't even live there, even the kitchen. And uh, we then caught a glimpse glimpse of the lower level of the split-level house. We saw all their beds, a TV and fridge down there. Even as Nunzo proudly showed off his home to us, I felt sad that the family only really lived and used the bottom level of it. Yeah. Hmm. It feels like to me, uh, when I see the furniture in in those bags... It's like uh, people who never take their comics out of the plastic bags. Yeah, never or, or their toys, toys out of uh, packaging. Right. Like never. Never. Sad. What kind of fun is that? Yeah. No fun at all. Speaking of cats and human chatter, I completely agree with the fact that our pets find comfort in human voices and interaction. Dogs, too. Uh, my two cats spend most of their time upstairs, where I work and have my studio, so I keep the stereo on, our local classical station, for the cats to enjoy. I firmly believe they find comfort in the sound of the radio, its music, and the voices they hear. It's, I've turned off it off on occasion, and they almost seem a little restless without mm-hmm. it. Big fans of Cachaturian? Is that his name? Oh, mm-hmm. man, I wish I knew Cachaturian. Cachaturian. It's Cach- nice. The, uh, the, two, the two cats I was looking after both have uh, owners who uh, have uh, uh, podcasts. Uh, okay. So I was able to like turn on their podcasts, and I'm like, well, they're here and they're Oh, their that's voice. cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fooling these dum-dums. They don't know. <laughs> no, stupid. It's a podcast. What? You know, podcast. Like, okay, like P-A-W? No. That'd be for cats. Though he's 19. He's too old to know what a podcast is. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, again, uh, it just talks about 9-11 all the time. It's like, ugh. It's, I know. It's a, it was a big event for him. Uh, like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just think that it won't melt steel beams. I know. <laughs> I know your theories, but oh, I don't boy. want to hear it. Yeah. Oh, the government, you trust the government too much. <laughs> like, I, I trust, I don't, it's not I trust the government. I just, ah, forget it. I'm reading a letter right now. No, Are you just a podcast? Hey. I am a podcast, but I'm recording a podcast, but I'm live in the room with you right now. Okay. Podcasts. Whenever company arrives, it's usually for lunch or dinner, so we eat. We have a large sofa, no clear plastic on it, for everyone to sit and visit. So really, we just eat and talk. Our usual guests are my folks or my in-laws, who all live out of town. So there's none of this dropping by stuff going on. And if I had a million bucks to splurge on myself... I'd get the fastest, most roided out, loaded Power Mac computer money could buy. <laughs> I'd also buy a huge high-res scanner, as well as anything else I needed for a top-of-the-line designer setup. Nice. If there was anything left over, I'd add some Star Wars or Marvel Hot Toys, uh, one-six scale figures to my collection. This all sounds very selfish, and in reality, I'd invest the money, I'd use it on my home, pay off some debt. Living debt-free is its own reward and worth every penny. That would be nice, and I'd dodge a nasty divorce. Thanks for posting the Growing Up with the Beatles book. 
when you said the photo was uh, mainly pink, I knew exactly which one it was. <laughs> I didn't own it, but a friend of mine did. I remember seeing it in the stores. Hey, as I write this, it's May the 4th. Happy Star Wars Day to Dave, Ian, and all my fellow sneakers out there. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> Yay. Yes, indeed. And also with you. <laughs> so uh, those are uh, those are letters nope. from last time, except nope. for... I want you to I'm refresh. Not... Refresh. Oh, all right. Here we are. I'm refreshing. Well, what's, what's going to happen, Dave? What's going to happen? I'm looking. Go down to the bottom. <gasps> Wait, like magic, Sarah Walsh appeared. <laughs> Did I make it? Did I make it? I've had a busy day. Just remembered. I wanted to comment this week. <clears throat> okay. I wanted to comment last week, but I uh, failed. Anyway, <laughs> ice cream flavors. <clears throat> my favorite is chocolate because my favorite everything is chocolate, unless we're going to Baskin Robbins, in which case it's all about the mint chip sundae with marshmallow cream and extra nuts. But really, anything with chocolate in it is probably going to be just fine by me. <laughs> However, my first job was as a clerk at a drugstore that had an ice cream counter, and I would frequently sample the flavors during the breaks. Nice. <laughs> I learned an important and valuable lesson at that job, and I will share it with you now. There is no such thing as bad ice cream. <laughs> just put enough cream and sugar in something, it will taste good, no matter what flavors you mix in. Now... If I had a million dollars, if she had a million dollars, I would buy a house. Mm. I have thought about this a lot, and there's no doubt in my mind. The one thing I want uh, that money can buy more than anything else is somewhere I can call home that can't be taken away if I fall on hard times. Living costs in Southern California, Southern, Southern California are really getting scary, but I don't want to leave at least not anytime soon. I don't need anything huge, but I do want something safe and soundproofable so I can build a studio. Mm. I'd be careful not to overspend on the house so I could uh, set up uh, aside extra for taxes and maintenance and whatever. Mm -hmm. But just having a place to call my own and not having to destroy myself every month to make rent would take so much pressure off. I might be able to function as a creative person again. Also, although I've always had a place to live, it hasn't always felt like home, and that's made me... Uh, made it very difficult at times to feel comfortable enough to be creative. It's kind of a big thing with me. So, yeah, that's what I'd do if I came into big money. And honestly, I'm pretty sure a million would still be enough for what I'd want, even in the current economy. <laughs> for how much longer, who knows. But for now, a million will do nicely. So, the check's in the mail, right? Ah, right. Well, I don't know. If someone out there wants to give you a million bucks, <laughs> I say uh, send along. Send it to us and we'll send it to Sarah. So, there we go. We'll do that. Someone, uh, you know. There's people out there. Maybe someone wants to give you a million dollars. Possible. We'll see. Do it. You never know. Give Sarah a million bucks. Um, yeah, I was talking with my wife about that too yesterday. We were talking about how, yeah, it would be really nice to like buy it, buy a home. Oh boy, howdy. Just, just take that where you're just like, it's ours. Mm -hmm. You can't take it away. Unless it's like, you know, a tornado. Tornadoes can take away your home, but in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Whoop. Up it goes. Yes. It is nice. I won't lie. Okay. Well, you know what? Is there any emails? Well, let me just let me just, let me say this first. Okay. Are there any tweets? We had a Facebook comment. What? From Nettie. That, that makes no sense. And okay. she wrote to say, she wrote to say, I have the growing up with the Beatles book. The poster is long gone, having been on my childhood bedroom wall. But the photo was with with uh, sorry, but the photo was with these checked shirts holding the roses. Uh, she has a picture of it. It says Happy Valentine's Day. So someone's sort of taken this and added a, changed it a bit. But she says, and it didn't say Happy Val Valentine's Day. Oh. 
I remember being annoyed when he talked about himself since I couldn't get enough of the Beatles and half of the book was photos of him. Oh boy. And I, com- I wrote back and I said, I remember my grade eight self being distinctly unimpressed by his jumping off the bandwagon when they entered the rubber soul phase. What a square. Yeah. It seemed kind of weird to me as a kid. Why would you go when it was really getting great? But okay. Whatever, weirdo. But it's true. There was like nothing else like it at the time that you could read. So I just felt like, you know, it was interesting to read someone's opinions about this stuff. All right. We did, we did get some emails, sir. All right. Hit me. Let me just get, get to them here. Hit me two times. Bam. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> All right. So John Halbrooks was kind enough to write. And folks, let me just mention, since John wrote... That uh, John has taken quite the lead in our uh, in our um, what do we call it our draw our, pri- yeah. our prize draw for the uh, question episode because he wrote in with a bunch of questions. Each of them is worth one ticket in our draw. Oh, so uh, if you want Mark, or, sorry, if you want John just to get everything, if you want him to do get nothing. the grand prize and not even put up a fight, well, that's all up it to takes you. for John to win is for good people to do nothing. <laughs> That's right. Not that John isn't good people. No, no. Folks. If good people do nothing, John will win. Yes, that's true. I'm not saying John's evil. Yeah, no, that's... That's for God to decide. (laughs) All right. The subject of this email from John is back from the island. Okay. Hello, gentlemen. I'm back from the Dominican Republic, where my daughter got married over the weekend. Hey, Masseltoff. (laughs) Yes, congratulations. I got to meet some of my wife's DR-based relatives for the first time. And, let me tell you, the Dominicans know how to do a wedding. Lots of tears, lots of merengue dancing (laughs) with a smoking hot band. Also, my nephew and I managed to get lost on a grocery errand while driving a four-wheeler and drove up steep hills on dirt tracks through flocks of chickens, etc. Quite an adventure. I hope... uh, Music was playing that went like ding 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 ding. Although I guess that would be the wrong music to play in that. And if you hit the chickens, that's just more food. That's just more food for their wedding. Questions of the week. When we have friends and family over, generally our conversation is our entertainment. We spend time in the kitchen enjoying cooking together and sipping wine. We also have regular visitors who bring their dog over for puppy playtime. Three or four times a week. This started during the pandemic because it was a way to be social while outside, and the dogs love it. Sub-question. If I won a million dollars, with all the usual caveats about helping the family, investing wisely, blah, 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 I would do two things for myself. One, renovate the house, especially the kitchen, and add another bathroom. Two, I would take a month-long writing retreat somewhere in the mountains, preferably somewhere I could take my dog. That's nice. That is very sweet. Two brief backwards dragon nuggets. I wonder if the dog was in the room at the time and he had to. Run yeah, away. he had to say that. Yeah, it feels. It does and feel a little forced. Then I do something. Uh, feel a little forced at the for end. For my dog. <laughs> <laughs> two brief backwards dragons. Sorry, two brief backwards dragon nuggets okay. from what will heretofore be referred to as the original backwards dragon project. Ah, oh, someone's toes ah, are feeling stepped on. Ah, okay. hmm. Number one in episode four sixty. 465? Oh, that's going back. In episode 465, you challenged each other to come up with mashups of comics and band names. Sammy Hagar, the Horrible, etc. I was very proud to instantly think of one that neither of you landed on, the Black-Eyed Peanuts. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Two. Nice. Also in that episode, you had a discussion about unicycles, and it reminded me of a podcast that I listened to years ago. 
I can't remember exactly, but it may have been a slate show about how people do their jobs. And they interviewed a professional dog walker in Washington, Washington D.C. The thing that made him very angry was an apparently infamous rival dog walker in Washington who walked dogs while riding a unicycle. I remember him complaining, it's about the dogs. It's not about your glory. You have to take care of the dogs and give them a good walk. Final note, I listened to the beginning of this week's episode while packing and getting ready to leave the DR. So you may have had, so you may have had previous listeners on the Dominican North Coast, but possibly not many. Yeah, I would say yeah. uh, you join a company of one <laughs> yeah. yourself. Be well, sneakers. John, and then he warns, P.S., prepare to be peppered with questions for the question episode. And he did pepper us. <laughs> and uh, so other sneakers on your game. Uh, and then John also was kind enough to send some wedding, wedding pics. Yes. Of very nice pictures. Him with his wife and daughter at the wedding. And we thank you for that. And I also saw a picture of you officiating. You look very official. It's all very nice. Thank you, John. And thank you, everyone else, for writing to us. Mm-hmm. We, had, uh, letters, we had International Letter Week this week. That's nice. Thank you, everyone. And, We've been and it was exciting. The world tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we can't find our baby. It's always exciting when someone writes to you from a place that you would just wouldn't think someone would listen to you. We have listeners in Denmark and Sweden, and, uh, and of course, you know, and that's just crazy. And of course, in France, I, Irish, in France, and now we Ireland. now we have someone for Ireland. But I, yeah, it's just amazing. Okay, uh, a comic book a band mashups. Two more. Uh, Guns and Roses, Rose. There's one. Guns of the Rose. Uh, and okay. uh, The Little Kings of Leon. Nice. All right. So you looked up some comic strips. No, I just looked up bands. Oh, bands. Oh, okay. Popular bands. That's where it, yeah, I guess that's where it uh, gets harder, hey? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nice. Nice indeed. Well, do you want to let the... Oh, I guess we better, better have some questions. Yeah. Um, have we ever just asked what was, like, uh, your favorite comic as a kid? Have we ever asked that? Like, what was your... Which favorite comic when you were uh, like a, a wee one? We'll have to start. Oh. Uh, we'll have to start um, communicating with John on the sl- on the side to, <laughs> to run our questions past him. Did we ask this, John? Did we ask this? Right? You notice in your uh, backwards dragon project? Uh, yeah. I mean, the original backwards dragon you know, project. As a kid, I really liked uh, Richie Rich. Me too. Yeah. So much. Yeah. So much. I love. Not only did I like the stories, which are very fun and very you know so great to live in a world that's the you know everything's easy. Except when it gets hard because criminals or whatever, but that's his fun adventure. They never win. But I love the art style so much. Yeah. And I still. Ernie Colon. Uh, no, I didn't like him so much. Oh, you didn't like Ernie Colon? No, I like Warren. Like Warren uh, oh, Kramer, his name was, who okay. was like the guy who like designed Richie Rich and Casper and everyone. He's the one who gave them that look. Okay. I love I love the the look of that that kind of sort of animation uh, style look of it. Ernie Colon is he's a good artist, but he's more of a superhero artist, and I don't really like. Superhero styles very much. And let me just interrupt to go. Uh, the Yellow Kid Rock. There. Okay, continue. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. The Yellow Kid in Play. Ah. Okay, okay very good. Um, so, anyway. That's all, right, all I wanted to say about that. One more question. One more question. One more question. Um, tell us something nice that someone did for you in the last few months. Oh. Well, ain't that nice. Does that sound like a nice question? Like a nice I'm question. thinking that because... Eve, because uh, we've had, you know, as we know, we've, we've had some t- issues with our downstairs because of flooding. But while they were cleaning out the downstairs, they took away our vacuum hose. So we can't vacuum upstairs right now. Okay. 
And not that we're slobs, but, you know, dirt does tend to, like, build up. Sure. And so today, Eve brought a vacuum from her work over to our house and vacuumed Aww. the upstairs for us. So that's what kind of inspired that question. That was very nice of her to do that. And, oh, that's uh, very, very nice. Yes. And so, uh, there. In, in In that, in that uh, mode or whatever. Uh, yeah, you know. Cool anyway. mode D. Yeah, exactly. All right. So there you go. Dave. Yeah. How can people contact us? What can they do? It's what your show this wins? time, so oh, I don't want should. to. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. Hey, hey everyone. Hey, everybody. If you want to contact hey, us, uh, here's what we you do. We can go, go to a website. We have a website called sneakydragon.com. You can leave a message, message there. there uh, you'll find the shows find underneath, the shows and <laughs> underneath there. Is, please leave a comment. Yeah, We're also, also on Twitter, on Twitter at sneak underscore dragon. We have a Facebook presence, as you could tell, because Nettie wrote to us there. It's on Facebook. It's called Sneaky Dragon. And finally... You can write right to, to our email address at sneakyd yeah, at sneakydragon.com. Com. And that's and where you should be sending, sending your questions for our upcoming question show so that you, you can get in on the grand prize. Of the grand prize for. All right. Well, thanks for doing that. All right. We're definitely not going off to see a movie now. No, definitely not going to see a movie by And if we did, that would be a little Rainey, strange. Who hasn't directed a film since I found it very enjoyable. The very enjoyable Drag Me to Hell. Hmm. I know is that you, right? Is that the last film that he directed? That's the last directed? film he did, I'm pretty sure. Okay. He's one of those guys that dresses up in a suit to direct a movie. And people go, look at him in this suit. But the reason he does it is to show his respect to the people he works with. Sure. Because he wants them to know that he's taking his job seriously. I would like to see him uh, have a suit off with uh, Wes Anderson. And just see like which, West, which one yeah. shows more uh, respect. Uh, and which one's more kind of this, a quirky yeah. uh, character... Like and then David Lynch shows up and you're just like, you're dressing all suity too. Yeah, I'm like, okay, all right, listen up, listen up, spread out, spread out, you mutt. Which one of you is showing more respect? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't show up in a t-shirt like I would. I was watching uh, this um, person whose name I forget, uh, but she's winning big time on Jeopardy right now and she's Canadian. Oh, yeah. And, is she uh, going to beat uh, Ken Jennings? Uh, well, she could because he's right there in front of her. She could just like go up and punch him right <laughs> go in the nose. Go punch him right in the nose. Oh, is he, a, is he a host? Yeah, he's the host now. Him and uh, he's a co-host. Right? Don't they share share? Yeah, Maya Bialik also does, it, but he seems to do it more. Okay, but uh, I, I do like him. I I don't know. Uh, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I like him as well. So uh, so you know, for the twentieth uh, episode she was on, uh, the question was like national anthems. Okay, and the answer. Uh, turned out to be uh, the Canadian national anthem. Oh, and she knew that because she's Canadian. That's uh, that's helpful because usually Americans get a a bit of a leg up on those kind of shows because oh, do they ever? There's so American many questions. Lakes? Yeah, so oh, many questions that are so many lakes. So well, what are this, you doing? There's history questions, oops, history questions, geography questions. Just things uh, that you would you would pick up presidents wives that you would pick up through cultural okay. osmosis that yeah. you don't, don't even have to like learn that what you just kind of you just kind of hear about it as you grow up but, and then but, it becomes part as of your Ken said whoops. they plan the questions weeks in advance so they have no idea yeah but then yeah it was a Canadian who, so what was the question like did, was it like stand on guard for thee was it like part of the lyrics or did they play the they, music they, or? they, they um, uh, had the French version oh it said like this is the second line in you know this uh this national anthem and it's like what is the national anthem and it was like oh canada wow that would stump some canadians as well because we not not all of us sing the french part of the yeah, song yeah but if you know any french you would kind of translate it oh yeah, well yeah, and, yeah 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 uh, yeah and see i will uh play you the clip like afterwards okay cool i'd like to see that okay all right are you ready to say goodbye to our friends and and fellow we wish humans? you well we hope you don't smell <laughs> Hope you come back next week. If you don't, we can tell. 
Dave will be here, and so will I. We might see a movie tonight. Bye, everyone. Any of those poems by Eliot. So, so cause he's not, he doesn't seem like a playful person. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a banker who wrote poetry, which is interesting. Yeah. Kind of like Charles Ives, the great modern composer of the 20th century. Not the greatest, but one of the greats. Was a an insurance broker. In fact, he, he had his own uh, firm. Was that right? Yeah. Like he was very successful <laughs> as a real estate or as an insurance broker. But, and I guess made enough to retire on. But, you know, while he, while he did that, he also was a, a composer. Cool. That seems kind of distinctly American. <laughs> you don't hear, you know, you don't hear like Stravinsky was also a lawyer, you know? Chopin, dentist and composer. <laughs>